What's up guys? It's the Vigorous Q&A. Let's get started. I'm still a little bit sick. My voice is still a little bit raspy from talking to everybody at the Mr. Olympia and doing all kinds of podcasts left and right. Uh, but let's just get it started. So um, I see there's already a ton of questions. And guys, in the meantime, please let me know if my audio is okay. We're using the internal microphone, but I set some settings to hopefully uh, make it sound a little bit better. So please keep those uh, questions and uh, updates going. Let's get started with Filippo's gym. Hey Steve, what would you say? Uh, would you say that pharma testosterone, the analog to pharma growth hormone, is better than underground lab testosterone, assuming that according to the tests it contains what it says? Um, yes, because with those tests you can't really see the carrier oil. Now with underground labs nowadays they kind of brew in MCT oil, which is fine if you do daily microadministrations subcutaneously, because MCT oil disperses quite rapidly, and if it if you only do one or two or three administrations per week, it might mean that um, it might mean that it leaves the depot too fast, the injection depot, right, where you put the injections, too fast to the point you get peaks and valleys more than you expected. So with MCT oil, I would recommend still daily microadministrations subcutaneously, and with pharma testosterone because the carrier oil is usually a little bit thicker, whether that's cotton seed or grape seed or castor oil or even olive oil, but that's in combination with ethyl oleate. Um, that allows for two times to three times per week administration, but I would say if you go with daily micro-administration, it doesn't really matter if both tests, um, you know, with 100% purity, if you send it to Janoschik or anywhere else. So, again, you know, pharma uh, pharmaceutical testosterone, again, it, it, you know, that's pharmaceutical, but if underground lab is the exact same dose, the exact same ester, um, and the injection frequency is daily, then it doesn't really matter. Still, I would go to pharma uh, just in case because if a source goes, uh, if if a source is proper, if a source is properly brewing today, it doesn't mean they're going to do that tomorrow. Uh, and with a pharmaceutical grade, you know that they're uh, going to have to be, you know, uh, keeping track of the third-party testing and the licenses that they have. So I would always go with pharma over <coughs> over underground labs. But then again, if you only can afford underground labs or you only have access to underground labs, then get it tested at janoschik.com and then, uh, you know, proceed with appropriate caution. Alex Carrera, have you tried a Delta Sleep Inducing Peptide for sleep? How long can it be used for and at what dosage? Um, I honestly can't remember. I, I mentioned it somewhere in the Deep Sleep Deep Dive video series. I think it's the second video. The first one was about supplements, second one second one was about PEDs and then or you know, sleep inducing drugs and I think the third one also and then the fourth one was about best practices. Um, I used it myself, Delta sleep inducing peptide, but it didn't really do anything and I used it for a multitude of sources so if one source doesn't do anything, uh, okay, maybe you know assess the quality of your source, try another one, but if you tried a couple different sources, the compounding pharmacy here in Thailand which gets everything third-party tested here before it passes the FDA and then a couple one online, uh, didn't do much for me. So it's something worth looking into. Uh, I, I think I recommended dosages in the Deep Sleep Deep Dive video series, one of those uh, videos. And you don't have to watch the entire thing, just go through the timestamps and I'm sure I'll list uh, Delta Sleep Inducing Peptide in one of those videos. And there are the recommended dosage ranges, but off the top of my head, because it didn't work for me and um, I don't really usually uh, recommend it if it didn't work, then I don't, recommend, don't remember the dosages anymore. All right, next one. 
Roman Trejo, thoughts on changing compounds every eight weeks. Boston was big on that, for example, changing test to annotate any cure for DECA. I don't think it's needed at all. I think compounds will keep working as long as everything else that you're needing to do for bodybuilding is working. So if your diet is working, your training is working, uh, the compounds will also work. But if you are uh, selenium or zinc deficient, then the, then the compounds are going to work less because you don't get energy-mediated gene transcription. So you don't need to switch compounds at all. I think it's a bunch of horse shit. I don't believe in androgen receptor desensitization. Androgen receptors have an eight and a half hour half-life. And when you go on androgens, uh, you produce more androgen receptors. And it's the same for uh, DHEA and I think even pregnenolone. So um, take your steroids and shut the fuck up. And if you like EQ, you stick to EQ. And if you like DECA, you stick with DECA. And if you like annotate of any of the esters, then you stick with annotate. Um, don't have to overcomplicate it. Don't have to arbitrarily change your uh, cycle because you think it's not working anymore. You're just used to that dose. You're just used to that compound. And if you want to change, uh, bump up the dose or eat more food or start training harder, you will elicit a response through that adjustment already. All right. Let's see, next question is from Bronson Hoogan. Asks, uh, Steve, you are the man. How long after two weeks of Superdrawal would lipids be skewed on blood work? Um, could be four weeks. <laughs> Maybe even six weeks, depending on how uh, you know good your lipid management is in place. So let's say you don't have any lipid management and your HDL ended up at 20, your LDL ended up at, let's say, 150, 170. Just an example, right? Doesn't mean it have to, has to play out for you like this. But let's say that happened, an HDL of 20 and an LDL of 170, which means you still have a total cholesterol of 190 or 200, still within the range, but the HDL is too low and the LDL is way too high. Um, since Superdrawal takes about two weeks, three weeks to metabolize, and then you, know, you need some adequate time without these metabolites in your system, and even the Superdrawal metabolites might stay in your system a little bit longer than two or three weeks, um, I would say four weeks to six weeks. So you have a couple of weeks that Superdrawal is clearing from your system. The lipids will be horrible during this time, but maybe slowly improve because the serum concentrations of Superdrawal are significantly less and less and less over time. And then, of course, when everything is cleared from your system, then you need some time to build the HCL back up and the LDL back down. And I think you can, um, you know, improve your lipids within a period of, let's say, four weeks if you have lipid management in place. So that's the fish oil, the citrus bergamot, the berberine, the azetamide, or maybe a statin, right? Healthy eating, blah, 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 et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. So if you've got everything in place, you might speed that up. Usually, post-contest, we give about a month before we do blood work to see where you're at. And in that case, after the testosterone and the trimbolone and the masterone and the superdrol and the anadrol and whatever else you were running for that contest or getting in shape, right? Your ultimate, ultimate hardening stack, once it's all metabolized, I would say at the four-week mark, your blood work starts to look good again. But it might need six weeks, maybe even eight weeks, post-content or after a hefty cycle of superdrol, before you actually look healthy. And that means that the, st uh, the clock starts ticking then. So... Just because you're healthy on the blood work doesn't mean you were healthy for the last four weeks. You were healthy on the day of the blood work. And if you want to stay healthy, you need to stay healthy for another three months before you can start uh, ramping up the dose and going to a blast again with incremental dosages and harsher and harsher compounds towards the end. So, um, yeah, good luck. Put all the practices in place that are known to improve blood work parameters. Another one from Roman Trejo. 
Uh, what orals in the off-season make a difference in a physique if digestion is no issue when taking orals? Uh, all of them. <laughs> all of them, besides Proviron, maybe. Um, all of the orals are going to make a difference because they you add more anergenic and anabolic load on top of whatever you're taking. So, uh, whether you go with Superdrol, Halotestin, Winstrol, Anadrol, Anavar, Turinabol, Dianabol, <laughs> check drops. They're going to make a difference. So use what you prefer. Use what gives you the best results. Use what gives you the least side effects. Uh, and that's usually very in individual. So if you don't know which one to take, start with Turinabol, then use Anavar, and then use uh, maybe uh, Oxymetalone Anadrol later on. Right? That's the normal rate of progression. And then later on, you can try the Halotestin or the Winstrol or the Superdrol, right? which all come with their unique side effects um, and uh, more complicated health management strategies. All right, let's continue. Vicarian SK. Hey, Steve, when people say you get cancer markers checked, what exact blood work markers are we talking about? Well, Vicarian, if you go to my website, vigorsteve.com, and you check out one of the articles, let me load it in the meantime, and then update the chat, uh, or the, the YouTube description section. Second article from the top, medical screening required before your first cycle. And then you let that load, it just takes a little while, WordPress isn't the fastest. Then you go down uh, in the table of content three, cancer marker screening. Uh, let me post that here in the YouTube description section because nobody has time to uh, do this amount of clicking on my <laughs> website themselves. Uh, so let me edit that. Boom. Oh, I made a boo-boo. <laughs> One second. All right, it's saved. So if you refresh this chat, if you re refresh this live stream, you see the exact marker. So let me uh, go over that. Alpha fetoprotein. Cancer antigen 15-3, 19-9, and 125. Carcinoembryonic antigen, ferritin. Beta-human chorionic gonadotropin, human growth hormone, but um, beta-ACG and HGH uh, are not necessary if you're using either HCG or HGH, obviously. Neuron-specific analase, free uh, prostate-specific antigen, prostatic-specific acid phosphate, uh, protein and then a prostate specific antigen. So you have free PSA, PSA and PSAP slash ACPP. Uh, get these checked. I have a link of which of these cancer markers are related to particular organs. So obviously if you don't have a uterus or vagina, you don't have to check the markers that are related to your endometrium or your ovaries right? <laughs> or your uterus. But some of these markers are still overlapping with some of the organs that both men and females have. So it might be best just to check all of them and, um, you know, take it from there. DLO, getting a back fusion. What stack should I take for recovery? Um, I have videos about this also. Um, let me see, what is the video name of that? I think it's the peptide protocol for healing. And I have a very extensive peptide protocol in there. Oh, that's how to reset your gut microbiome. Surgery. Uh, no healing. I have too many videos. Yeah. Collagen, maybe. 
uh, collagen synthesis in five steps. Jeez, which one is tendons of steel? Ah, comprehensive tendon and muscle building process video. Oh man, meme with hair. Uh, it's 31 minutes. I'll link it at the bottom. It's saved. And uh, let's see what I say in the timestamps. I, I should remember the, the dosages. Okay, so the timestamps are I mentioned hormone replacement therapy, duh, HCG, HMG, uh, HMG FSH, DHA, and pregnenolone. Uh, Oxandrolone, let's say 5 to 20 milligrams per day. Growth hormone or growth hormone secretagogue. So I would do two to four IUs growth hormone or a potent a growth hormone secretagogue or even in combination. Again, we're trying to heal your surgery. Thymosin beta 4 or TB500. Uh, Pendeca peptide or uh, the body protection compound 157. GHK copper topically or palmitate GHK copper to permeate into the, the skin where you had surgery. And then I have an entire healing protocol uh, overview on this video as well. So I just linked it down below. Give that one a watch and um, then decide for yourself which of these uh, peptides and uh, steroids and overall um, you know, growth promoters are beneficial for your surgery. Now, on top of that, I would recommend, since you're probably going to have some... Um, some something around your uh, spine or uh, some screws being put in place i would make sure that you eat calcium rich foods not calcium supplements but calcium rich foods that'll be oatmeal um casein protein uh, let's see uh, yogurts right those are all high in, ca uh, in calcium and then you make sure that you have vitamin k morning and evening jar of formulas are a very good formula of uh let's see 500 micrograms vitamin k1 1800 micrograms vitamin k2 mk4 and 180 micrograms vitamin k2 mk7 right that in combination with 2000 ios vitamin d3 twice per day and then feel free to supplement with another 3000 ios vitamin d3 morning and evening to help shuttle all the calcium the magnesium and the phosphorus into bones so they can heal properly then with all these collagen synthesizing uh, peptides and steroids in the picture, right? The TB500, the BBC157, the GHK or palmitate copper, and the growth hormone, and then the Anivar and the hormone replacement therapy protocol in place, uh, you should be recovering very, very fast. But of course, you have to get the surgery done first, and then maybe run it past the doctor to see uh, when you can start using these peptides, because uh, I don't know the severity of the surgery that is going to take place. Uh, let me see if he missed any members. All right, here we are. Zubs. What's a good immune system protocol? Starting to feel a little sick due to overtraining and would like to prevent getting sick. Uh, you tell me, I'm sick myself, but I can go through a list of the peptides that my compounding pharmacy has, and some of them are for the immune system. Just, I haven't really looked into them yet. Let's see, where is it? <clears throat> so the ones that they carry, why am I open? Oh, that's not. <laughs> there's something else. Uh, uh, okay. This laptop. Okay, so thymosin beta 1 is used for immunity. And. Uh, uh, and this viewer sucks. Thymosin beta 1, or sorry, thymosin alpha 1 is used for immunity. And. KPV, not sure, and gut health, immunity and gut health. 
Uh, that's about it. I think there was another peptide that is used for immunity. Hmm. Nope. No, so uh, Timosin Alpha 1 and KPV. Not sure what the KPV stands for, but apparently that is being used for immunity. So that's something you can look into. And besides that, um, vitamin C, vitamin D3, just making sure you're in micronutrient surplus. And don't go to the Mr. Olympia or Disney World or Universal Studios where you're surrounded by a boatload of people that are all sick and actively transferring their sickness to you. So you, so you don't get uh, sickness. I should have worn a mask at the Mr. Olympia, but of course, if you wear a mask nowadays, then people think you're crazy. Even though uh, yeah. shit's still going on. All right, Kratos. Can Samax be used infrequently to increase libido, or ha does it have to saturate 600 micrograms two times a day for maybe two or maybe three days a week year-round? Um, I would notice an immediate effect from the first or maybe second administration of Samax already to heighten my libido. I keep in mind that you know my neurosteroid and overall sex hormone balance is optimal, perfect, I would say, proven with frequent blood work. And you know, um, I eat enough calories, enough micronutrients that it helps. So let's say everything else is uh, good. I think you can get results within the first day of using Samax. And if you combine it with oxytocin, you might get that within a single administration of oxytocin and Samax uh, as well. But if everything is not perfect and you're really in a hole, um, maybe you need a couple days on Samax, right? So maybe keep a little bit of a libido log for yourself. You start the Samax. And then see how long it takes before your boners are raging. And you need to put it somewhere to, uh, you know, get them down again. <laughs> yeah, so might be maybe one day, might be a week. I don't know. Depends on the individual. Some people never get a response from Samax because everything else is so horrible. Um, so, again, that's why I have those libido videos. They're the total, um, the full Monty, basically. Everything you need to look into. Um, so, you can optimize your libido from a multitude of angles. But if everything is good, I would say same day. Uh, if you combine it with oxytocin. All right. Serpent, 5111. DHT is 142 nanograms per deciliter on 300 milligrams testosterone anethate. How can I lower my DHT without finasteride? Getting bad acne, I have tried tretinoin and a couple of doxycycline cycles. Hygiene is good. Uh, okay, um, well, I don't think DHT is the sole cause of, uh, you know, having terrible acne could be your injection frequency could be the product that you're using I mean 300 milligrams per one milliliter testosterone uh, assuming that's what you're taking uh, that's underground lab and we don't know the inflammatory carrier oil of the underground lab that you're using so switch to pharmaceutical grade with 250 milligrams per one milliliter testosterone anthates in castor oil or grapeseed oil or sesame oil and all this inflammation that you now potentially have that could exacerbate your acne will now go away. And now the acne that is bad will get less bad. It might actually completely go away or you have a couple pimples here and there, which isn't the end of the world. Now, tretinoin cream um, should work, right? Or otherwise you go with isotretinoin, uh, the Accutane. That's pretty brutal on the skin. Trust me, I've, I've used it in the past. A cycle of doxycycline uh, after two weeks on 100 milligrams morning and evening, so that's uh, 14 days on 200 milligrams doxy per day. That should fix all the bacteria that could exacerbate the acne. If hygiene is good, uh, good. If hygiene is good, um, you know the acne shouldn't get any worse from bacteria. 
but it could still get worse from inflammation. So maybe switch the brand that you're using, switch the injection frequency, go with daily micro-administrations because in hormonal fluctuation, this acne can get worse. And of course, hormonal fluctuation isn't just DHT, it's also testosterone and estrogen. So if you're going with 300 milligrams of test per week, switching to pharmaceutical grade, um, 300 divided by seven, why doesn't this work? Numlock, where are you? There you go, 300 divided by seven. God. 43 milligrams per day. And uh, let's see, one divided by 250 times 43, means you have to inject about 0.17 milliliters daily if you switch, is that true? 250 divided by calculator. One divided by 250 times 43. Yeah, 0.17 milliliters. So 17 uh, lines on the insulin syringe. Daily sub-Q, switch the brand to pharmaceutical grades, and it's very likely that most of your acne will disappear. Otherwise, uh, you know, maybe lowering your DHT will help. You can use a salt palmetto or bygium or uh, there was some, some mushroom extract. I mean, I just released a video of the WADA approved doping stack and how to raise your testosterone levels with over-the-counter supplements. Those two contain a laundry list of 5-alpha reductase inhibitors. So give one of those a watch. I'm sure the timestamps will lead you to the correct time of that video where the 5-alpha reductase uh, enzyme inhibitors are discussed. Look into some of those and then bring your DHT levels down uh, after and only after you've gone to daily micro-administrations and switched to a pharmaceutical brand, which is surely going to uh, improve your acne quite significantly. Yeah. All right, next one. Probably Kieran. Uh, do you know anyone who's a trinity of meldonium, bimetil, and hypoxin? Um, not many in the fitness industry, to be honest. Uh, I mean, I had a, a couple of consultations with people who do uh, CrossFit or uh, some sort of Olympic sports, right? Like running or uh, you know, discus throwing or <laughs> that kind of stuff, right? Um, those guys usually are more on top of the endurance drugs. Mm. So, but anyone in the fitness industry? I mean, I can't really mention anybody that I did consultations with, right? So there might be one or two that you're following right now if you follow people in the fitness industry, but it's, it's not much. I would recommend everybody to experiment with them uh, at one point or another after watching those endurance drugs videos and then see uh, if they make a substantial difference. I mean, a box of meldonium, a box of bimetil, a box of hypoxin or a box of uh, amoxipine, cheap, cheaper than GH. <laughs> and uh, if you follow the instructions, as I mentioned in the videos, I'm sure you will get some good results. Chase Irons. How was your flight home? Uh, I slept most of the way, luckily. But I was sitting on this left shoulder, and I think I, I sloped in the, in the economy chair. I always get economy, guys. I don't fly business this far. There would be so much extra money, it's not worth it. So I fly economy, but my wife did treat us to um, the, you know, the emergency exit aisle where you have a lot of leg space. And because of that, I probably sloped and sank down in my chair as I was sleeping. So I was leaning on this elbow, and then I woke up, I couldn't raise it. I thought I tore my rotator cuff, and that's fine after a day of uh, sleeping in a normal bed and uh, maybe some ibuprofen because it was really bad. I thought I tore my rotator cuff, dude. That's how bad it was. So the entire remainder of the trip, you know, getting the bags out of the 
conveyor belt when you arrive, the luggage, and uh, getting my little trolley out and just going to the bathroom was all with the right hand. Um, because the left hand was the left arm <laughs> was completely non-functional. That's how numb and painful and fucked up it was. So anyway, I'm happy to report that today it's uh, it's a-okay. I can do this. I can go behind my back. This still hurts a little bit, but everything else was fine. But I slept most of the way, yeah. Um, I, I had no days off in the United States besides that one day after Swiss. And that was it. Yeah, Sunday after Swiss Symposium, I had a day off. And then, of course, I met uh, Chase uh, the day after, right? And then I flew to meet my wife in Las Vegas. No days off because I didn't see her for, what was it, 11 or 12 days at that point, two weeks almost. And then uh, we went to Vegas, then we went to the Mr. Olympia, then we went straight to Universal, Universal Studios and uh, Disney World. Then we went straight to Sacramento to have a podcast. So that was a long flight. It was about eight hours, so you can consider that a day off, even though you're traveling and it kind of sucks. Um, and then I had the power project with uh, Mark Bell, and then the next day, I f or the same day I flew to LA, and then I had the next day the transparent podcast with Nell Nyga, um, and I went to Zoo Culture uh, also that day, which charges $60 for a day pass. Fuck. <laughs> Dude, Bradley. I met Bradley and Martin also real quick. Uh, <laughs> I didn't, I, I didn't make him aware, but the good thing about charging $60 for a day pass is that uh, the riffraff is not in that gym. So basically zoo culture is like a, a gym for uh, influencers, both a lot of influencers with their private camera guy walking around and tripods, people without shirts, live streaming. Uh, it was interesting. Yeah. Yeah. I had a good workout though with Mark Harley, a lot of fun. So anyway, the flight home was okay. I slept most of the way. And then when I came home, uh, within uh, 10 minutes, uh, my cats were all over me again. So people who say that after a month of, of home, uh, your cats won't recognize you. Full of shit. Just treat them better. Um, they were very, very happy to see me. And they all slept in my bed um, as soon as we went to bed around 4 a.m. in the morning. All right. Next one. Holy shit. Look at that face. Oh, Ermodernsk. Okay. Hey, Steve, can we get a short rundown on injectable ephedrine pre-workout, dosage, duration, etc.? Uh, so, allegedly, I've tried injectable ephedrine when I was not in Thailand, because ephedrine in Thailand is a, uh, a bannable offense, basically, because if you do a drug test, a five-panel conventional one, you will test uh, negative or positive um, you fill the, the drug test, basically, with a positive test of amphetamines, which ephedrine is uh, closely related to so once in thailand no ephedrine whether that's oral injectable no adderall whether that's uh, fast acting uh, intermediate acting or long acting uh, and definitely no yaba which is a street drug that um you know only the motorcycle taxis and the taxi drivers and some of the bar girls are using so um back in the day when i was uh, legally able to use injectable ephedrine uh, in holland Maybe that's not legal, but uh, close legal enough. I would inject two, so no, not two, 20 milligrams, uh, sub-Q, about 30 minutes pre-workouts after, let's say, 6% body fat. Or uh, when I was abroad in another country for the World Championships, I would administer maybe 10 milligrams a couple times per day just to keep me going because I had no sleep because I had 17 clients every time I had a World Championships. 
So uh, you're not allowed to sleep because you have to dial everybody in uh, in person and do fucking pro tan. Yes, I used to be one of those coaches that did everything, including the shopping, because all these guys would just have to relax and make weights and then show up peaked. This is one of the reasons why most of my guys placed top five in all the weight classes and beat the drug test at the same time. Coach was on drugs, but athletes were not. So anyway, uh, 20 milligrams, that might be one milliliter or half a milliliter, depending on the injectable ephedrine formulation that you're using. Sub-Q, I would not do that intramuscularly, that uh, would probably cause too much vasoconstriction and metabolize too fast. And I would only use that um, either as a pick-me-up uh, when you're 6% body fat or lower, and you can't really function anymore. Uh, yeah, and not even for strength workout. It's just, it's mostly in a pick-me-up, honestly. Yeah, I wouldn't consider it a fat burner. I tried to inject it, you know, spine injections, injectable ephedrine in the lower back. Didn't do anything for me when I was dieting. I think Yohimbine or Rovolcine are far more beneficial. And yes, I did not combine ephedrine with Rovolcine or Yohimbine. I ran that solo. Um, if you were to inject anything for spot reduction, it's either glucagon or Helios, which is uh, Clembutrol and Yohimbine or Rovolcine in the same injectable formula. So, um, basically uh, it's injectable cocaine <laughs> that's how you have to look at it you're very cognitive very alert and very productive for let's say four to five hours after the injection and then you crash fucking hard yeah to the point to literally from 10 minutes feeling all energetic and shit to literally being narcoleptic falling over and uh, you know barely being able to drive so be careful um yeah be very very careful it did raise my liver enzymes quite a bit and i'm not sure because, of course, ephedrine is a stimulant, right? I mean, it will work on your central nervous system, allowing you to train a lot harder and more sets to failure. Um, I'm not sure if it came from that or from the actual injectable ephedrine formula, which usually came from Korea, which apparently it is in South Korea, injectable ephedrine is pharmaceutical grade. You can just buy it over the counter, apparently. Um, yeah, so my liver enzymes went up quite a bit. So let's say 30% uh, higher than before because I do my blood work every single month, right? How everybody should it. Iron Grid, what's up? Should I source Lyroglutide Victoza from a local dealer? I live in Denmark, so it's a real shit. Okay, so you get it locally, right? Or should I order Terzepidite from uh, the chemical company which shall not be named? <laughs> Considering uh, experimenting with appetite suppressants just to see. Uh, I also have access to pharmaceuticalutide from Novo, Nordic, Novo Nordics because Denmark, you motherfuckers. Uh, well, when in doubt, uh, go with pharmaceutical grade, because uh, I don't know the quality of uh, Swiss camps. I've heard mixed reports. So, uh, you know, if you have access to pharmaceutical grade, just go with that. And especially if it's cheap uh, and, and the price, and it's local, you don't have to risk importation, which is always an issue in the Scandinavian countries, like Sweden, Denmark, uh, Norway, right? Those three countries, horrible for importing steroids. So. I would just get something local, maybe pay a little bit more, but then you know the quality is good, that the supply chain is minimally impaired, and, uh, you, you know, um, yeah, importation is not an issue. I was curious about dosing protocols for these appetite suppressants. Okay, so for Liraglutide, <coughs> Victoza, I would start with 0.6 milligrams per day, subcutaneously in the morning, Monday to Saturday, and then Sunday, if you have your cheat meal on Sunday, you take a day off, so you can actually eat. And if you take your cheat meal Saturday, you obviously inject from Sunday to Friday. And with semi-glutides, uh, I would do, let's say, 
0.25 to 0.5 milligrams sub-Q three times a week, Monday, Wednesday, Friday, and then more if you need more appetite suppressing. Now with semaglutide, it might take a week before the appetite suppressing effect builds up. And with uh, liraglutide, you should have that the next day. Yeah, even though it's a much shorter active life, um, it will still take a day or two, maybe even before you get proper appetite suppression. So if it doesn't really work on the first day, be patient, don't overdo it, because otherwise you'll be vomiting for the smallest meals. <coughs> Let's see. After B and C for one and a half years, I got my T to 528 nanograms per deciliter. I don't know what B and C stands for. Black and cock? What, what does B and C stand for? Please uh, write it down <coughs> somewhere. I know we're a bit uh, high up in the chat, but we're going through it as fast as I can. So, I don't know if your T is uh, good or bad compared to before. <laughs> R and R, please uh, rest and relaxation. Please let us know. Uh, let's see. Okay, so here, uh, Omer Dernsk is... Uh, oh, so Omer Gert is uh, from Danish also. Now asking for sourcing. Uh, 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 okay, I guess people are already answering R and R. What the hell is B and C? I don't know, guys. I'm getting old. Also, welcome back home, Steve. Yeah, thank you. It's been one hell of a month. I'll tell you that. I'll make... Uh, I'll make separate videos about everything that I've done in the United States, but I just need a couple days to kind of catch my... Uh, get rid of this cold. And then I go through my, uh, you know, my, my data bank of videos so I can, uh, you know, get started on some proper videos. Yeah, 60 day pass. $60 day pass, dude. No riffraff. All right, let's scroll down a little bit. Injectable ephedrine is very nice. Yeah, you've also had experience with that, right? Are you a Jedi? Um, almost. Yeah, almost. Uh, although my um, I, I tilt somewhere between the light and the dark side. Um, if my light, if I had a lightsaber, it would obviously be purple. So I went to Disney World, and I honestly thought about buying um, the the Obi Wan Kenobi uh, thing, which is the same color, right? Until I saw the price tag, it was one hundred fifty dollars. Uh, I spent more than enough money at Disney World. Thank you very much. So I'm not going to spend one hundred fifty dollars on a, a Jedi robe from uh, Disney World. Um, but, you know, if those super chats are enough, I might buy one off AliExpress, which is going to be significantly cheaper and just a shitty quality. Oh, Blasting Cruise. I should have known that. All right. Oh, my God. That's how sick I am. I don't even know Blasting Cruise. Okay. After Blasting and Cruising for one and a half years, I got my total testosterone levels to 528 nanograms per deciliter. Um, so uh, let's go through the chats. He was off for 16 weeks, uh, seven weeks after my last dose of Novadex, which I used for 10 days. Okay, so your PCT was shit. Um, <laughs> that's, you need Clomid to actually recover your HPTA. Um, so you might want to do another four weeks of 50 milligrams of Clomid per week, uh, per, not per, day, per week, 
50 milligrams clomid per day before bed another four weeks or so to see if your LH, FSH and total testosterone levels cannot be a little bit higher. But uh, 530 nanograms per deciliter isn't the end of the world. I'm 600, 700 with HCG monotherapy, and I consider that to be high at 40 years old, um, having blasted and cruised for, uh, let's say, 10, 12 years. All right. <clears throat> True, Victoza is like 780 Danish krona under the table, but if I buy from 24 hour, Reup uh, or the company which shall not be named, it's uh, well over three hundred dollars. So what is the Danish krone to US dollars? Seven hundred eighty. Oh, that's way cheaper, dude. So if you if you, so, seven hundred eighty Danish krone is uh, let's say one hundred ten dollars. Just just go with that. <laughs> so you can get three pence. Now you have to kind of see how many milligrams you get for that 780 Danish krona. Um, that's literally falling off the wagon, obviously. So um, sounds like you're going to have to go local because it's cheaper. You don't have to risk importation and you probably get more of an actual dose for a longer period of time. So yeah, that's how I would, I would go with it. Here, Chase actually knows what it stood for. Bitches and klitzes. <laughs> this is what happens when you're old. Start making dad jokes all the time. Yeah. Are you still taking Increlex? No, I just came back yesterday, and uh, tomorrow we're going to do some blood work to see what my blood work looks like before and after the United States. Um, because I, uh, yeah, I got a little bit fluffy after the Mr. Olympia. Yeah. Yeah. Luckily, the face is not so bad, but the lower back. Oh, baby. So I might uh, go on a little bit of a protocol. Wife's not pregnant yet, unfortunately. Um, so, you know, I, I'm going to have to, uh, you know, double up on the fertility meds. No, not really. Just going to have to keep trying and see if there's anything on her side that we need to adjust. Um, because I do feel that, you know, we're doing everything right. But, you know, maybe we need to incorporate a couple other things to, you know, get that eggs, uh, get those eggs to nestle in her womb. All right. <clears throat> All right, purple lightsaber. Uh, we need to call you Vigorous Window. Yeah, that would be good. Vigor, I need a. I think he had a brown jacket though. Mace Window. Yeah, brown. So I need. Oh no, that's a light one. Yeah, maybe. Maybe get a white robe and then use this one, and then get a brown uh, one all on top of it, and then really hit the Milano tan. Uh, so I can. Uh, yeah, <laughs> it's because he's black from the waist down, yeah, allegedly. <laughs> allegedly. Yeah, but you don't move to Asia for that reason. Yeah, you would move to uh, South America <laughs> if that was true. All right, where are we? Um, nose is getting bigger. No, it's a little bit inflamed. So, because I've been blowing my nose the whole time, but my nose has always been big. I mean, look at this. What the fuck is this? That's, that's my nose. Good to smell you with deer. Let's see who gets that reference. Uh, Social Justice Warrior, a 69. Thinking about running Primo Master on 100 milligrams each a week with 400 to 500 milligrams test. Uh, anything I should be concerned besides HDL, estrogen, and hair. Um, 
yeah, you don't get my approval for that cycle. It's way too, way too little primo. How about we bump that up to 300 primo and 200 mastrone uh, and 500 tests. So you're on a nice on the 1000 milligram dose. And then you use a fish oil with each meal to boom, bump your HDL and citrus bergamot 500 milligrams morning and evening to bump your HDL. You don't have to do anything for your E2 until you do blood work. Because I think a one-to-one -one ratio of test plus primo, um, or sorry, primo plus masterone in relation to your testosterone, I think will give you favorable estradiol. And here, who fucking cares about that? Man. When I went to zoo culture, everybody had a broccoli haircut. Did you guys see that one picture which I took at the Miss Olympia with like four young, young guys, uh, all with the broccoli haircut, and then I was there in the middle with uh, no hair, and then Aaron made a very witty comment. He said, this is what happens when you throw an egg into a broccoli uh, salad. That was pretty funny. Yeah, great kids though, very easy, very talkative, very funny to meet. Uh, but you had a broccoli haircuts in the United States. And everybody has these mustaches, like they're uh, from the 70s. I can't get with it, dude. Oh, who's spamming? Iron Grid, take care of it. Jesus. Iron Grid is uh, reimbursing some of the money. Remember to like and subscribe. 130 watching and 30 likes. Come on. Yeah, it's, people are lazy, dude. I have the lesbian haircut. Instead, with a lot of colors. Taken care of, sir. Okay, good, good guys. Get rid of those spammers. All right, I guess we've gone through all the questions that I have to answer. Now we're going to answer some fun ones. Mm. Hello, Ollie, ready. Would I still get muscle density of performance enhancing drugs or I need growth hormone in the mix? Well, a growth hormone is a performance enhancing drugs. Um, so, yeah, so I, I guess you're asking if you get muscle density off steroids and you need growth hormone for that. It will certainly help, but what also helps, the longer you uh, spend time on steroids, training heavy in a caloric surplus. That will give you the best muscle density and growth hormone will take it to the next level. But I met plenty of guys on a basic steroid cycle who ate a boatload of food, don't take growth hormone and still have a lot of muscle density and maturity. But they take steroids for maybe five to ten years, you know, blasting and cruising, right? B and CC. Or was it B, B and C? That's the correct analogy for it. Yeah. Big, black, and uh, cock. Yeah. Or was it B and BC? Yeah, B and BC. Big and black cocks. <laughs> That's the way. So, uh, yeah, just keep training and keep kicking ass. And then uh, at one point, when you feel the density is not enough after five to ten years of kicking ass in the gym, eating a lot of food, maybe add in the growth hormone, see how much that takes your density and muscle maturity to the next level. All right. Frodo. Bro. Bro, hope you're doing well. I hope your finger grew back. Gollum fucking bit it off. At the end. Where in the timeline are we, Frodo? <laughs> At least uh, Lord of the Rings Part 1, right? Was Frodo born in The Hobbit? No, right? Anyway... Let's see, what are we going to ask? Or what are we going to answer? Mm -mm -mm. Here we go, Rick 
Rubric, it heard uh, Kurt Haven talk about how growth hormone takes three hours to completely absorb subcutaneous. Or do you know the absorption time for growth hormone to be absorbed intramuscular? Uh, no. Could be one hour, two hours, and it really depends on where you inject it. I, I don't think, I read the entire growth hormone ebook by Kurt, and I don't think he mentioned it anywhere, or that there was a reference to a scientific uh, study where growth hormone subcutaneous the absorption time is compared to intramuscular administrations versus uh, intravenous administration. So I think the evidence there, uh, the scientific evidence is a little bit lacking in that sense, but I would assume that uh, intramuscular administrations are a little bit faster compared to subcutaneous administrations. Um, and of course, when it takes about three hours to be completely absorbed, it still takes some time to be metabolized in the bloodstream. So you see that growth hormone levels are elevated for a couple hours after subcutaneous or intramuscular administrations and then fall back down to baseline. So I believe that uh, sub-Q, um, the reported half-life is about four and a half hours. But if he says that it takes three hours to be completely absorbed, then of course the half-life would be shorter, uh, would be three hours because then there's no dose topping off serum concentrations from the injection depot being subcutaneous. So I guess it kind of depends on uh, which source you quote um, and it also means that basically it's best just to go with your experience because everybody's different. Everybody uses different growth hormones and uh, everybody pins in different areas. And even when you inject subcutaneous, you know, when you're morbidly obese, subcutaneous absorption is going to be a lot slower compared to when you take uh, or inject growth hormone subcutaneously when you're 4 to 6% body fat, when the subcutaneous space is like this compared to, yeah, Disney World level. So, bottom of the story, uh, you know, long line of the story is to get it in. All right, if you put BTC on PD, do we get XRP? Uh, I haven't checked the XRP chart in a while. Let me see. I think XRP went up a little bit. Uh, let's see, last six months. Ah, I didn't break previous uh, high of uh, July, so. But it is going up. Yeah, it is going up. Who, uh, who was in Bitcoin on the last uh, run? Yeah, who was in Bitcoin on the last run? I, uh, yeah, one more year, guys. One more year. One and a half more years. Maybe January uh, 2025. And then I, I'm going to be done. <laughs> uh, real men use XMR. Is it still being used? Is it still, what, what is the price of, um, what, what was it called, uh, Monero? No, oh, it's going up pretty well. Had a couple dips, five years, not as good as 2001, but it's, uh, it's, oh, it's not bad. That is not bad. I might consider getting back in, in, uh, why is it in Tideblock? I know, I always feel like a criminal when you buy that currency. <laughs> well, let's buy some Monero. I might consider getting back in at $150, but not right now. Oh, 167 is not bad. How much percent is that from the top? Eh, we'll probably get something with a bigger market cap. All right, here we go. Chase Irons, is there something about glucagon-like peptide 1 receptor agonist and using insulin at the same time that is a no-no? No, not at all. Um, 
No, not at all. I've done that. Many people have done that under my guidance, and I talk to people who've done that. Um, you know, but you can't really eat so much. So you could use GLP-1, let's say, let's say you use one milligram torzepidite three times a week, right, for good appetite suppression, and you're eating 2,500 or 3,000 calories per day. I mean, how much insulin can you use with that? No, not much. Maybe 20 IUs Zolantis, depending on your caloric uh, break or your micronutrient breakdown, and maybe five IUs of Humalog either post or pre. So I think the maximum dose of insulin you can use on that is 30 IUs. Right? I'm just just an example, guys. Don't use that as a guideline, please. Just an example. Whereas in the off season, without the GLP-1, eating 5,000 to 6,000 calories per day, you can bump up the Lantus to, well, 50, 60, 80 maybe. Right? Again, depending on your micro breakdown and how experienced you are. So it kind of depends, man. But I, I think you can run both. Yeah, I ran a GLP-1 plus uh, Incrolex, and that was pretty good. Yeah, that is good. I'm great. I just might fucking dump my XRP and dump it to ETH once it dips. I lost too much on XRP rather than ETH. Yeah, Monero is still being used quite a lot. Yeah, of course, it's being used to buy drugs with. <laughs> <coughs> but yeah, Bitcoin is also being used to buy drugs with. Um, well, let's see. Why would you dump XRP when it's just recovery? I mean, I would just keep it, dude. I mean, the potential of XRP is like... Oh God, why is it bot? Fucking time zones. Uh, the potential of Ripple is... Uh, no, it was way higher before, right? Maximum. That's right. Here, in 2018, it was $2.70. And right now, it's $0.66. Cent. So, even though it didn't really go up last time, in 2021, because I had those lawsuits, right, at that time, those are pretty much over now. So, if you bring that $0.66 cents to $2.70, um, and even if you bought a top in 2018, at least, then you break even. So, I would just hold it for another one year and two to three months on top of that. And then sell when it's fucking high. Or dollar cost average into it so i don't know how much money you lost but you can put the same amount in there to increase your xrp um, holding and then by the time you uh you know it reaches two dollar seventy potentially then you get out with profit i mean it's still in the top 10 of um of cryptocurrencies it's very unlikely that it's really going to go to zero unless they lose a lawsuit which i think is resolved but again with any investment you have to stay on top of what's going on because, uh, you know, at one point, shit might hit the fan. Just like with Luna. <laughs> All right. Okay. Hey, Steve. Two weeks into my first cycle and 210 milligrams pharmaceutical testosterone annotate Norma Hellas. And 6.25 milligrams aromacin Monday and Thursday. Uh, so that's what? 420 milligrams pharma annotate, uh, test annotate per week. If I add three times 250 IOs ATG per week, should I take an extra 6.25 milligrams of aromacin per week? I will check my E2 in five weeks. So I would check your E2 first, see where you're at, see if you need to make an adjustment based on uh, your levels on test and aromacin. Then add in the ATG and see uh, four weeks into that if you need to make further adjustments. You know, just checking your, um, if you just need, you know, if you're just checking your estrogen and your lipids, it's pretty cheap. So, I just do it a multitude of times. Iron Grid, Chase, I near called you Chest Irons. Yeah, sounds like a villain, huh? What's your, what's your name? 
I'm chest irons. Chest irons, dude. Your arms are pregnant, sir. They're bigger than my head. <laughs> You're giving me body dysmorphia, but it is, everybody's do, um, Chase is doing that ever to everybody. So, just because Chase is kicking ass doesn't mean you have to. Alright, so he's taking 210 milligrams of testosterone and per week. Okay, so if it's 210, um, I think on this protocol your estrogen levels would be good, but I would still check it in two to three weeks from now, and then add in the ATG and then check it uh, four weeks after adding in the ATG. So usually a month is enough time to kind of assess where your estrogen levels are at um, based on a particular protocol and if you make an adjustment you need to check it again a month later to see if you need further adjustments based on your aromatized enzyme product or aromatized inhibitor protocol or adding in a dihydrotestosterone derivative for example i have quite a bit of eth already What's ETH doing? I haven't really caught up with the cryptocurrency market because I'm... Uh, ah, ETH is doing well. I had a little bit of a retracement. The altcoins are probably going to run now because Bitcoin is kind of topping and ETH is a retracement. Oh, that's a small retracement. Let's see, one year. Ah, that's a tiny retracement. Ah, it's almost at the same level of uh, April. Yeah, ETH is moving up nicely. Let's see it... Uh, 0.618 Fibonacci level, which we'll probably hit uh, hmm, December, maybe, before Christmas. It will be good. I'll get out there. And then we'll wait for lower prices. Yeah, accumulate some more Bitcoin. Yeah, maybe. Maybe 250k, 125k. Let's see. You know, it's, it's usually, if you look at the, you have to look at the time span. So it's very likely that three months after the Bitcoin halving, it stopped out. Um, we look at the charts and then put like two lines. You see it's like 90 days to 100 days after the Bitcoin halving that it starts mooning, if I remember correctly. So it's, it's a time window. And whatever happens in the time window, you have to pay attention to. There's a couple of retracements so you can gamble slash trade a little bit. You know, when it gets too overbought and too far from the, you know, bull market uh, support band at the 20 and 21 moving averages, or based on the 20-week moving average and the exponential moving average. When it gets too far from that and it's oversold and uh, what is it called? The uh, fear and greed index is, is really, really high, then it's probably a good time to sell, not your full bag. But maybe a couple coins uh, or half a bitcoin or however much you have invested let's say 10 25 percent of your total holdings so you can trade with that a little bit and then uh, get back when it retraces and then you do that a couple times until the you know the 90 days or 100 days are up and then you sell and you wait for it to retrace 50 percent and then you might get back in it might be a little bit of a pump but that pump is going to be slower and uh, not as violent than uh, the first pump yeah, just like in real life. <laughs> yeah, second pump is a little bit like luster, but good enough. Uh, big house, having unilateral gyno flare-ups partially removed with surgery while having 19 micrograms per milliliter estradiol, eating clean and uh, doing high activity, taking vitamin B6 thoughts. Uh, it could be inflammation or phantom pains. So if you're not really sure if you have gyno flare-up after you've removed it with surgery, do an ultrasound on both areas to see if there's still any kind of uh, tissue forming because it's very unlikely that you uh, get gyno flare-ups with 19 bicograms per milliliter 
or they did such a horrible job that some of the gyno tissue was not fully removed and uh, you might have a little bit of inflammation going on. Now, of course, if you take boldenone, which can convert into esterone, which downstream can convert into estradiol in the tissue and might not even um, raise serum concentration. So you go from esterone to estriol, oh, sorry, esterone to estradiol in the tissue and then act locally. Serum concentrations might still be low, but you might still get a gyno flare up if you had gyno in the past. So in this case, um, Novidex, do an ultrasound, see if that's really the case. And otherwise, um, you know, sue your doctor because they did a poor job. You know, you spend money on that shit, they should remove all of that. Let's see. Next one. Yo, Simbam just announced he's going to be a dad. Really? Fuck, everybody's pregnant besides us. Not cool. Muscle Doc, Paul Burnett, I follow too many people. Search Seabum. I wonder when that baby was produced. Oh yeah, I see it. Okay, cool. Baby bum coming in 2024. Nice work! And those pictures are old too, I think. Those are probably before the Olympia, but he didn't want to announce it. Okay, nice work! Derek Lunsford also is going to be a dad soon. Uh, Chase Irons is going to be a dad soon, and hopefully, fingers crossed, I'm going to be a dad soon too also. Uh, 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 um. If anything, I think it might just be time for him to actually quit now and live a healthy life with his child. Yeah, maybe. I mean, he's tearing all of his muscles, right? He tore his bicep last year. This year, apparently, he tore his lat, even though he couldn't really see it. I think he tore his hamstring and his quads. Uh, who knows what else he's torn that he's not talking about. So, it, you know, I mean, he's making enough money from supplement sales. <laughs> he doesn't need another Olympia. But depending on his blood work and how he's managing that, and if he can show up next year uh, at prejudging like he did last year at finals, um, then he would just keep winning. So it's not the end of the world. But yeah, you know, when you become a dad, it's not just about you anymore. It's also about your kid and uh, being there for your kid not dying in the meantime through to selfish uh, aspirations. I got in on the FTX Bitcoin price at 15.8k. Uh, Good, be greedy when others are fearful. Exactly. Yeah, that was one of my previous trades. Yeah, but I, I to be honest, I, I bought most of it around 17.5 because that was the electricity average of uh, mining Bitcoin and that's usually where the miners get back in. Because why mine Bitcoin for $17,500 when you can just buy it uh, on the cryptocurrency exchanges? So that's uh, where I bought, got most of my bag and I did a couple small trades along the way. But yeah, we are patiently waiting for higher prices. At 48, I'll, um, that's 48,000, right? Yeah, there I'll probably exit. Yeah, making some small trades in the meantime. So I sold a little bit the last couple of days. And uh, yeah, let's see what happens. Mm -mm -mm. All right. Uh, uh, uh. So many questions I've already answered like a hundred times. <laughs> Sean Sullivan, what's up, Steve? Thoughts on using too much injectable carnitine in a week? I heard Chase say that you can't overdo it, but it's an amino acid. Uh, yet Scott Stevenson has discussed research that it shows adverse effects. Yeah, so apparently uh, injectable carnitine is used 
to um, stop a thyroid storm because it inhibits some of the effects that uh, T3 has, triiodothyronine. So if you overdo the carnitine, um, your metabolism might be impaired. Now I believe that the injectable dose was 2000 milligrams or 3000 milligrams. I can't really remember. Uh, Scott Stevenson did an excellent podcast on the Think Big Bodybuilding Media channel a couple uh, months ago with Scott uh, McNally. So just go watch that. I think there's one or two episodes of that. I think it was an acute dose of 2000 to 3000 milligrams intravenously of the injectable L-carnitine, which stops uh, thyroid function uh, when you have thyroid storm. And you can't really see any changes in um, you know, serum concentrations, so your TSH, your total and free T3, your total and free T4, your ver reverse, TSA, uh, reverse T3, right, and your thyroid uh, peroxidase uh, markers, those will all be the same, uh, but the thyroid function will be impaired at the, the um, you know, enzymatic reaction site. So uh, I don't think that is the case if you inject 500 milligrams injectable quarantine once or twice per day. Uh, I can't say that fat loss was slowed down. If anything, fat loss was sped up with injectable L-carnitine and, um, you know, potentially androgen receptor sensitivity is upregulated through that pathway as well, even though the evidence is a little bit thin. Um, you know, so watch those podcasts and make the adjustment for yourself. Let's see. Ah, not a question, but a comment. Fern284. Steve, thank you for being the professor of all things anabolic. I've been following you for years and so thankful for all the material you've put out. My pleasure. I'm not really a professor of anabolics, but I'm mostly a professor of optimizing things. And anabolics is a, a part of that. So, um, you know, if you want to optimize everything, you need uh, anabolics and a little bit of peptides and a good diet and some micronutrients and a proper training strategy. So when you put everything in place, then a life uh, is pretty fucking good. Let's see. I've never tried boldenone and I know you're a primo guy just wondering your thoughts on 400 milligrams test for boldenone and two to 300 milligrams take up for gaining size. Okay, so that will work, um, but I would, increase the boldenone to 500 milligrams and keep the deck at 200 milligrams. I think that will give you favorable estrogen. Again, in the off season, it's okay to have a little bit higher estrogen levels. So the total of aromatizing compounds in this case is 600 milligrams, 400 tests, 200, uh, nan 200 nandrolone, um, and 500 milligrams boldenone to kind of inhibit the conversion of the test and the nandrolone. Now, will that be enough um, to keep your estrogen in range? Maybe, maybe not. That's why we do blood work. Right? Maybe it's too much. Maybe you need 500 tests and 300 nandrolone and only 300 boldenone right? if your body fat levels are low, which will probably slowly increase during your off-season gaining cycle. So just because it works right now doesn't mean it might not raise serum estradiol levels uh, towards the end of your off-season when you're 15% body fat and aromatizing like crazy. So blood work every month. It's cheap, no excuses. Mm. Let's see, thoughts on the Dutch Android Health Clinic for steroid users. It's a new medical clinic where gear users can do health checkups. Maybe nice for a podcast, uh, you work for them, right? Uh, send me a proposal by Instagram. And uh, I don't do podcasts in Dutch, 
uh, we're going to talk in English. Because Dutch is a dying, no, it's not a dying language, but there's only 17 million people there. And uh, I don't think, um, you know, it's worthy of doing a podcast in Dutch when a very small percentage of my audience is actually Dutch. Plus all the non-Dutch speaking uh, people are going to complain. So if they have a good clinic and are willing to do affiliate codes and they uh, speak English, uh, tell them to send me a message on Instagram. I'm always looking to expand. There's several uh, TRT clinics out there right now in uh, Holland uh, and apparently this is one of them Android sounds uh, it's probably the worst name of a TRT clinic that I've heard but if it works it works the only one that I know about is um, Andros which is in Den Haag in Amsterdam yeah Andros that's the first one I heard about and apparently the the guys uh, that uh, worked on the, the Harlem study one of those doctors is uh, helping people uh, get on TRT too so, at least they scored some points. Oh, he's the owner of the clinic, huh? The Diederik. Okay. Well, I tried to get him on a podcast, and then he uh, didn't want to do it uh, within three weeks. And I'm like, okay, if there's no urgent matter of it, then uh, uh, never mind. Anyway, I think they're doing another follow-up study. Let's see if they can uh, get their head out of their ass and do it properly this time. What a missed opportunity that Harlem study was. Jesus Christ. And then complaining, uh, what, was it, what was his name? Peter, uh, Peter Bond was complaining that all the steroids were tested and they came back unpure. What about the PCT drugs then, dude? We don't even know if the PCT drugs were legit. Uh, just break it up in sample sizes, give one group a PCT properly prescribable. I mean, Novadex and Clomid are available as pharmaceuticals in the Netherlands. And then one of them is just um, no PCT drugs, like cold turkey. And one of them is uh, do whatever the fuck you want, an observational study. That would have been the, the proper uh, way to do it. But Thomas, you asked him, hey, they reached out uh, over a year ago when I trashed the Harlem study on the BioBros. And he wanted to come on, and I said, yeah, when? He said, yeah, three weeks is okay. And in three weeks is old news. Nobody gives a shit after three weeks. So, anyway, let them, uh, if they still want it, let them contact me. And if they have a discount code, we can work something out. But if there's no financial incentive to uh, make a buck by promoting a uh, steroid clinic, then obviously I'm not interested. And I would need to see uh, how they operate properly because the only TRT clinic that I actually wanted to work with or real health optimization clinic was Merrick Health. They do it properly and plenty of clinics have reached out in the meantime and I, uh, I'm i not really up for it. So, And I'm not in the business of reviewing uh, hormone optimization clinics worldwide. <laughs> so, Let's see. Let's scroll up a little bit. Everybody wants to be on the Vicar Steve YouTube channel now. <laughs> I have 25 podcasts lined up. How do you like that? 25 podcasts lined up with people who want to be on this channel. So stay tuned. A lot of cool people incoming. Uh, let's scroll up a little bit. Mm -hmm. 
Your thoughts on testosterone depot, benefits and side effects. You're, it's clearly not for you. <laughs> it's clearly not for you. Watch some of the other videos. I love testosterone depot. Yeah, good shit. Testovirin, testosterone depot, anything testosterone, great shit. But if you have to ask me about benefits and side effects, you are not ready. <laughs> Very not ready. Let's see. Steve, does exogenous testosterone also get suppressed by cortisol like uh, endogenous? Like the endogenous, what? No. If you inject exogenous testosterone and your cortisol levels are high, which is very unlikely because high levels of testosterone actually suppress, testo uh, suppress cortisol. Um, even if both are high, uh, testosterone is not going to be any lower because you're injecting that from the ejection depot. And cortisol, I don't think, speeds up testosterone metabolism. But exogenous testosterone at high concentrations in serum will definitely suppress further cortisol release. That's why high test is best. Do you have a video on just IGF-1? No, but I have an ebook about it. Growth Hormone and IGF-1. It's a very good read, well worth the purchase. Um, but I, I probably put that in the membership section. We're only 1,000 subscribers away to breaking 100,000 subs here on YouTube. Uh, and then we're going to work on the membership section and just keep those podcasts going. Because that is easy content to make while I work on uh, high quality content behind the paywall. Jin Kwan. Chang Shi. Hey Steve, is it possible that somebody responds better to testosterone propionate than testosterone anethate? Is there any explanation for this? I feel like. I'm on probe or annotate and not that intensive a feeling. Uh, thank you. Okay, so when you break it down, um, you know, testosterone annotate, the annotate ester comprises more of the actual uh, steroids than um, the, the formula than testosterone propionate. Now, what was the breakdown? I think I have it somewhere. I have to go into my notes. Is it here? Ah, here. There we go. So, testosterone uh, propionate is 83.7% testosterone and 16.3% propionate. And testosterone anodate is 72% testosterone and 28% um, anodate. So, let's do a quick calculation. 16.3 uh, divided by 28. No, not minus. <laughs> divided by 28 uh, times 100 so with appropriate you get uh, well it's not really a fair comparison right let's say with propionate you get 11 milligrams or 12 milligrams more testosterone for every no that's not true because the concentration is different all right never mind let me let me just break it down for everybody with testosterone propionate you get more testosterone for the amount of uh, you know milligrams of drug that you're injecting so a lot of people say that they feel more on probe because they get more milligrams and um, of actual testosterone so let's say you do 250 milligrams of probe per week versus 250 milligrams of anotate per week you get uh, 12 24 30 milligrams more testosterone and with testosterone propionate the half-life is like four to five days and anotate is like uh, 10 12 14 days 
So not only do you get more milligrams of testosterone with testosterone propionate, it also works faster. In the long run, uh, serum concentrations will probably be the same if you go with daily micro-administrations, again, because it's you know, not that much difference milligram for milligram wise when you compare the inundate to the propionate ester. So, you know, if you feel better on probe, go with probe. And if you feel better on inundate, go with inundate. And if you feel the inundate is good enough, but it's significantly cheaper and you have to inject less, uh, then just go with inundate and inject maybe uh, instead of 250 milligrams per week, you go to 275 so you can get the same amount of uh, testosterone compared to testosterone propionate at 250 milligrams per week, right? Because the ester comprises more um, with the inotate formula, so you have to inject more to get the same amount of testosterone in your bloodstream. All right, hope that makes sense. Marcus, hey Steve, I've been running a cycle with testosterone inotate, primo, masterone, growth hormone. <coughs> All right, so that's, jeez. Uh, <coughs> oh, flu is fighting back with a vengeance. <coughs> 750 milligrams testosterone NFA, 300 milligrams Primo, 500 milligrams Mastron per week. That's it. That's a legit cycle. Three IUs of growth hormone per day. Not enough growth hormone, I would say. Um, you are on 750 plus 300 plus 500 divided by 250. I think you need to bump up your growth hormone to 6 IUs per day to get to the most synergy. Estrogen is 0.13 nanomoles per liter. Uh, what is the concentration of that? Okay, units lab. <coughs> Where is it? Estrogen. <coughs> now I have to do all these conversions for you fuckers. Oh, you're writing an N mole. God damn. What is N mole to P mole? One second, guys. Nano mole to pico mole. All right, what was it? Yeah, it takes extra long because people don't. Use the normal reference ranges. All right, 130 picomoles. All right, that's normal. Calculate. Yeah, oh, no, that's not normal. Wait a minute. Is that correct? Yeah, 35. I was looking at picograms per deciliter. So you have 35 picograms per milliliter on the cycle, which is middle of the range. Sounds good to me. My concern is that my progesterone has elevated from below the range, um, below 3 till 10 nanomoles per liter. Any concern? Um, I don't think that's possible because you're not taking anything that is um, elevating progesterone, right? Are you taking HCG? Are you taking pro uh, pregnenolone? Are you taking progesterone directly? You're not taking any trimbolone or nandrolone, which sometimes detects as progesterone, unless unless your test primo or mastrone contains trimbolone or nandrolone get it tested let's see what's going on so that would be my first assessment um, if you're not mentioning hcg or pregnenolone to me but your progesterone is elevated and you're mentioning testosterone primo or mastrone my first assumption would be that one of these compounds is uh, laced with nandrolone and it's very likely that your primobolin 
is laced with nandrolone and the 500 milligrams of masterone is uh, blunting the increased conversion of the nandrolone on top of the testosterone because it's very likely that there are only that there's only 50 milligrams per one milliliter nandrolone in your 100 milligram per one milliliter primobolin formula. So you're basically on 900 milligrams injectable uh, aromatizing compounds, right? Uh, again, we're speculating here. We're going with the best uh, possible analysis uh, based on uh, 25 years of bodybuilding experience. You're on a 750 test, 150 nandrolone, that's 900 total, and the 500 milligrams of mastrone. Um, assuming you're on a uh, cutting phase, so your, your body fat levels are probably lower than average. Your estradiol is nice in the middle of the reference range, and the small amount of nandrolone that you're injecting is detecting as progesterone to a certain extent at 10 nanomoles per liter. Um, quickest way to get to this analyzed is by taking the Primo out and then checking if your progesterone levels went down four weeks from now. Yeah. Because something is detecting as progesterone. It's not endogenously produced. It's, you're not supplementing anything to raise it. Um, oh, are you an ACG and pregnant alone? Marcus, it's a pregnant alone. <laughs> All right. Well, I hope you guys learned something. It's a pregnant alone, you dummy. Anton Bjork, uh, with everyday injections of testosterone anti to reduce SHBG. Uh, I'm taking 250 IOS HCG, 25 milligrams DHEA, and 10 milligrams pregnenolone. Yeah, so it's the 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 HCG, the DHEA, and the pregnenolone, or the the HCG and the pregnenolone that's raising your progesterone levels, and uh, take the pregnenolone out. Yeah, mention that in the fucking thing first time, so we don't go off track, Marcus. Again. All right, so I take the pregnenolone out and retest. But it was still a valid answer. If you were not on pregnenolone or ATG, it would have been fake primable. <laughs> okay. Uh, Anton Bjork, would everyday injections of testosterone and anthate uh, reduce SHBG? Yes, it certainly does, because you get less conversion of the testosterone into estradiol with daily microadministrations, and the burden of androgens is uh, continuous, because it's every day. So yes, SHBG will come down through to uh, more Androgen delivery through the SHBG, right? Sex hormone binding globulin. It binds androgens, sex hormones. And if you're injecting those every single day, then you need more delivery through albumin and SHBG. But albumin can get recycled and SHBG does not because it binds to the receptor complex. And if estrogen levels are low through daily injections, then you produce less SHBG also. So if you want higher SHBG levels, go to twice per week injections, but that might also raise your estrogen levels to unfavorable ranges. So, yeah, there, that is my answer. Thoughts on Wesley Visser being seventh place at the Olympia? Um, I think it's good, he's moving up, it was his best shape ever. He might have looked a little bit better last weekend at the Romania Pro, but I didn't really look at the pictures and compare. I'm happy that he already won. So when I talked with him at the meet and greet, um, he said he had two more shows. So I think he has one more show after Romania because he wanted to qualify for next year so he could start his off season early. So once Wesley is done with his uh, competition season, 
we will have him on the podcast again. We had a great podcast with Kurt Havens, and uh, I'll get him on the podcast reasonably soon uh, once he's done competing. And he had a couple, uh, you know, bowls of um, you know cereal and those uh, you know uh, chocolate drops on there, so he can have a good mood and a lot of energy, and have a nice puffy face <laughs> post contest. And then uh, we'll we'll talk drugs. No, 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 we'll we'll talk about you know being in the best shape of his life. Uh, at the Mr. Olympia. I bought a, a golden era uh, shirt from him because we always got to support each other. So uh, I met him, I, know, I think we talked for about 20 minutes in English because he likes to talk in English also. So we had a good time. Yeah, I, I think he could have been a little bit higher. Um, based on the placings and prejudging, I had him anywhere between 8th to 6th. He would have been at least 8th. So it's good that he was 7th. But who was 6th? Let's see, classic physique score sheets. I can't remember. It's all a blur to me. Uh, oh, wait a minute. Oh, that's a Mr. Olympia. Classic physique, okay. Michael the Bull. Uh, he's very dense. <laughs> He's very dense. Let's see, how did Michael the Bull look, real quick. Yeah, no. No, Wesley isn't there yet. Wesley uh, isn't there yet, but he could be next year. We'll talk about it, maybe off camera, what he needs to do. But Michael the Bull is clearly harder and denser. And it's got a little bit more separation in his quads and glutes. So no, no, I think it's a fair place. I think it's a fair place. And uh, Wesley, Terrence Ruffin, Brian Ansley, Erskel Skinsey, and Ramon uh, Dino, or Quiroz, and Chris Bumstead. He's not there yet. But that being said, he beat uh, Mike Sommerfeld, Vahid Bob. Bud Pei, Junhun Park, Carlos Dromar, Alejandro, Alejandro Cambronera. Oh yeah, that's the guy that always turns to the left because he had a car accident. Um, and a lot of guys that I don't remember. So, you know, out of 35 competitors, uh, he's seventh. And that means that Wesley Vizzers, the golden era golden boy, is uh, seventh in the world out of all classic physique guys. Which is uh, moving up, moving up. You know, and the top six is hard to crack, dude. But if you want to build uh, Michael the Bull, uh, then uh, we're going to have the discussion off camera. Because, um, yeah, that's, that's a different level. Unfortunately, that's a different level. Let's see. All right, where are we? Let me close these tabs. Uh, 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 I think Wesley looked better than Urs. It really depends on what you're looking for, right? I like I like Wesley too. I have him higher than uh, personally. I have him higher than Brian Ansley. <laughs> but yeah, everybody has their opinion, you know. Thoughts on the Hadi Chopin drama? Apparently, his clam fans claimed racism or some shit. Yeah, well, how was it racism when he won last year? I think the Iranian fans are uh, blowing shit out of proportion. A little bit, and I was there, and the Iranian fans were not. 
and I mentioned this on some of the podcasts that I was on, you have to be their person to make a proper assessment. Now, I'm going to show you a picture of uh, what happened, because uh, I took pictures backstage. You see that? That is Hadi Chupan congratulating Derek Lunsford. So I don't know what the fuss is all about. The guy uh, congratulated Derek, took a picture, and walked off stage on the second round of pictures because the guy has a hearing impediment. And he has a speech impediment because of his hearing impediment. So, you take the pictures, you take the trophy off, you're looking towards the exit, you're walking towards the exit, and you can't hear Bob Ciccarello or any of the other competitors talk because you don't speak English that much and you're almost deaf, then you keep walking. So I don't think it's uh, the drama is uh, blown. I think it's blown out of proportion. I don't think he should be sanctioned or banned or anything. Uh, what he, what I think he should do is make some sort of apology or a, a statement. The statement that he made uh, in Persian, um, I don't think it was a good statement, but I've only read a couple translations about quitting in politics, and uh, I think that was the gist of it. So. Um, there's no racism in bodybuilding. That's fucking bullshit. There's never been racism in bodybuilding. We all compete to, uh, with each other from all parts of the world. Asians, you know, African descent, the Caucasian descent, right? I mean, America is also Caucasian descent for the majority, right? From Europe. Australians are of Caucasian descent from Europe. So I think this racism bullshit uh, needs to stop. I don't think there's any racism in bodybuilding. What I do think is that there's politics. And uh, what I do think is that there's uh, favoritism. So if you're a Christian and you're active on social media and you're funny and you go around making the rounds being uh, friendly, then that works in your favor. And if you don't speak English and you maybe have a different religion than some of the judging panel or the nationality that you compete in, and you uh, don't do the rounds of networking, and you don't um, post so much on social media to represent the sport, then that doesn't work in your favor. And then when you're off, right, in the back of the judge's head, that might uh, affect their placing of you. So, and even though everybody says that that is not the case because they're the best judges ever and they only judge what's on stage, uh, we're still dealing with humans, right? So, uh, you're still dealing with humans. So. In some of the back, in the back of some of the judges' head, I'm sure something played, uh, causing them to uh, place the Heidi Chupan second. But if Heidi Chupan showed up Friday at prejudging, like he did Saturday night, I think he would have won because he was off on Friday. He was off. <laughs> he was fucking off. His back was completely washed out, flabby, soft. Right? His hamstrings were still in. His glutes were still in, albeit not to the extent that he needs to be, not to the extent it was last year. His back was glazed. I don't know what was going on. They fixed it before Saturday. Saturday, he looked absolutely fabulous. Lean, high, uh, lean hard, dry, dense, etc. cetera. Uh, but it's not enough if you don't close the door on prejudging when Derek is obviously on, at least from the conditioning part. Right? Derek doesn't have so much um, separation and detail from the front. The hardness and the muscle maturity isn't there yet. But Derek has more shelf life. Right? Derek can keep going for another 10 years because he's only done well less than 10 shows, if I remember correctly. And Heidi has done a lot of shows, 
Um, and while the site enhancement is pretty equal in both of them, Hadi has oily delts, and apparently uh, Derek has uh, oily lats. <laughs> so, yeah, which you couldn't see on stage, dude. I, I'm, I have an eye for oily body parts, and I couldn't see it. I was there to show at Royal 14, off to the right of the stage, and I really looked for uh, lumps and bumps and this and that, and site enhancement, and on Heidi's uh, rear delts, you could definitely see it, but on Derek's lats, I couldn't see it, but then I saw the pictures, I'm like, hmm. Anyway, so what is an Olympia without some controversy, some drama? I mean, it's gonna be there every year, especially now that it's fully documented on social media, because back in the day, you had to wait three months, four months for the muscular development to uh, come out, and you had to call uh, Gold's uh, Venice Gym to get the results the day after it happened. So, yeah. Let's see. Oh, Jov, what's up? Look at those arms. I wish I had those arms again. Anyway, hey Steve, thank you for encouraging words. When I was sick, and now it seems it's my turn to wish you a speedy recovery, and hope you don't get the same muscle pain. Yeah, and I think I need a couple more days, but thank you, uh, J. Jeff, much appreciated. Um, yeah, a little bit snotty, a little bit cold. In the airplane, it was horrible, because uh, you get that dry air, and then and, and everything kind of crusts in your nose, and you have to blow your nose, and then you get a bloody nose, because um, you're blowing so hard to get all the crusts out, the details, right? And then the air, the humidity of the air is terrible, right? And it's super cold in the airplane because that's what Korean air likes to do. I don't know why, but freaking cold. So yeah, at, at one point I sat there with like, you know, tissue up my nose to kind of stop it from bleeding. But at least most of the time I was uh, sleeping. Yeah, no snow seals were harmed during my flight. If you get it, you get it. But thanks, much appreciated. Give me a couple more days and then we go uh, right back to uh, making a regular content. Thomas, do you think the Beto has a too long ester to be useful? No, but the injection frequency of once every four to 12 weeks is kind of dumb. So if you only have access to the Beto, which I think is like $200 per vial, so it is pricey. Um, but let's say your doctor only prescribes you the Beto and he does an injection for you, just say that the post-injection bait is terrible and that you would rather administer the nebido by yourself half a milliliter twice per week. You draw the full, accidentally the full four cc's of nebido uh, out of the, the, the um, you know, larger than life uh, ampule. You draw that into a sterile vial. You can uh, find them in my uh, Amazon, uh, what is it, Amazon shop. I'll link it down below. Nobody ever uses Amazon, but I also don't promote it because the, the revenue sharing is so abysmal. So anyway, if you're looking for sterile vials, uh, I linked them in my Amazon shop. The link should be down below. Um, you transfer the four milliliters of Nibido into the sterile vial. And then if you want to save syringes, you'll remain the last 0.5 cc in the syringe. You switch the needle from an 18 gauge to a, a 25 gauge, one and a half inch. And you pin that intramuscularly and otherwise uh, you start doing daily subcutaneous micro administrations with an insulin syringe so you transfer the four the full four cc's of nebido to a sterile vial and then you draw uh, whatever the fuck you need in the insulin syringe from the sterile vial and then uh, pin every single day uh, subcutaneously for the most stable serum concentrations yeah so i think it's very useful i, I did a protocol like that for like two months because uh, i exit some nebido fell in my lap. <laughs> Some nebido fell in my lap. I'm like, ooh. 
Oh, what's the best way to do it? And I've I've injected Nibido a couple times before I went on holiday. Just pin four cc's, you know, two cc's left cheek, two cc right cheek. Not not in the face, but the other cheeks, right? That they're covered. Um, and then you go about your business, and then serum testosterone levels are pretty good for a month. Albeit that aromatization the first week is kind of abysmal, so you do need to smuggle a little bit of aromacin with you, or mega dose the aromacin before you leave, so you kill all of the aromatized enzymes, and then they're slowly being, you know, replenished by the time the libido is peaking. But then on paper, you probably have favorable estrogen levels at least towards the end of it. And of course, in holiday, you're more relaxed, you're more chill, you're eating more freely, and then your libido is also going to be fucking great as a result of it. What do you think makes Honey Rambot a good coach? Um, well, he's in your ear 24-7. And I think he has a degree in some sort of biology or biochemical uh, something. So I think he's one of the few coaches who actually understands the drugs. <laughs> really. When I look at the other coaches, you know, I met a Chris Aceto. He's a super nice guy. We had a good conversation. He's like, I know you from somewhere. I was like, I have a steroid YouTube channel. I didn't want to say that I was the guy that you know, was responsible or partially responsible for Liver King's uh, expose. Uh, so I said, I have a steroid YouTube channel. It might be interesting to watch. But if your son is asking me about uh, Vigorous Steve on YouTube, then uh, then it's time to sit him aside because I don't think he wants his son a part of that bodybuilding scene. So I like Chris Aceto for his adjustments, but the, the steroid knowledge might not be there compared to Honey Rambot. And uh, I feel the same way for some of the other drug gurus or the other gurus that are out there. I think their steroid knowledge is not that great. I think they just have a lot of experience um, allowing them to dial these people in. But Honey Rambot has a unique formula and a unique look on his athletes. I mean, when Chris Chris Bumstead is peaked and when Derek Lunsford is peaked and Honey or, uh, Heidi Chupan is peaked and Phil Heath is peaked and some of his female competitors, when they are peaked, they have a different look and I, I I don't know what it is. <laughs> I don't know what the fuck it is. Yeah. So whatever he's doing, he's doing it right. And of course, uh, Heidi, Honey would say, uh, I'm just getting them shredded. But um, I'm sure if anybody pulls out all the stops, it's probably Honey Rambot. And even though his stereodosages might be low, he might be, uh, who knows, he might be watching this YouTube channel and uh, doing NAD plus administrations in uh, 5 amino one mq and uh, injectable uh, AMP the day before the show. Who knows, right? At least he would be smart enough to put all of that together and uh, keep his athletes somewhat healthy. Anton Bjork, should it be oblig uh, obligatory for all men to be on TRT? No. No. No, a lot of men, they can't handle TRT. They're, they're too sick to be on TRT. I made a video about this. You can't handle the TRT. You know what? I'll link it down below. I'll link it. So you can uh, watch it and make up your own decision. I want to be on TRT. You can't handle the TRT. Where is it? There it is. Maybe. Alright, saved. I think a lot of people can't handle TRT. And after visiting Disney World, I would say that the large majority of the people out there should not be anywhere close to exogenous testosterone. Uh, they should also not be anywhere close to, <laughs> to sugars and carbs. Uh, you know, 
No, man. Uh, plus, a lot of people don't need TRT because they live healthily and they, they have no aspirations to be a bodybuilder or a high-level entrepreneur. So just let people do what they want to do. And uh, the people who are interested in TRT will eventually find their way to TRT and then they can find themselves to Merrick Health or uh, the Vickers TV YouTube channel or the Derek More Plants More Dates YouTube channel or, uh, you know, Chase Irons and Paul Barnett and uh, Todd, Dr. Todd Lee and Kurt Havens. And man, uh, who else? Am I missing somebody? Um, what's his name? I'm going to give this guy a shout out. I like his content. Uh, man, man Medicine? Is that the right one? Should have get him on the podcast. Man Medicine. This guy knows his shit. And he has a nice intro tube. And his logo is epic. It's like Berserk, but it's the male logo. <laughs> Alright, yeah, so Andrew from Man Medicine. He knows his shit. So, let me just plug his fucking channel. Let me see, what is his name? Home. Where's his name? Doesn't mention his name. He's, he's in Norway. I don't think that's true. Let's see. Andrew Wing or Wingy Wing A M D. Okay. Andrew Wing, I think. Let me plug his channel down below. Where is it? I'm giving so many shout outs. People should be happy. Alright. It's there. Give this guy a follow. We'll get him on the on the podcast soon. He only does deep dives once a week. So if you have a problem with attention span, go fuck yourself. This channel is not for you. <laughs> All right, where are we? You know what? I'm, I think I'm going to do a quick bathroom break. It's been one, uh, one hour and 30 minutes. So uh, please excuse me. While I uh, relieve myself, I've got to make sure that the mic is muted. So give me two minutes, guys. All right, Mike is unmuted. Uh, hopefully you guys didn't hear me. I want to hear the answer to the Milo's question, or Milo, 
Milo's question. Is there a Milo's or you want to... There was a Milo's question. Okay. Uh, oh, yeah, that's right. I forgot about Milo's, right? <laughs> Shit. Uh, do you think Milo's is that I have his steroid knowledge? Um, no, I think he does. Yeah, I think Milo's does. More, more than the other coaches, yeah. More than the other coaches. I think Hani, Rambot, and Milos are pretty much on the same page. But I will say that Hani Rambot has a better track record of dialing his athletes in. Whereas Milos has a better track record of making these stellar improvements show to show. Um, you know, I feel that Regan Grimes and uh, Samson Dauda could have been a little bit sharper. But then when you look at the... To Bruce Tabani, what was this, the Iranian? To Bruce Tabani. Beirut Tabani, sorry, my bad. I mean, he's shredded dice to the socks. You know, so. Man, it's, uh, imagine if he gets his visa. <laughs> if if uh, to Bruce Tabani gets his visa. I mean, Iran has so many great bodybuilders, dude. I mean, it's insane. It's insane. If those guys had a, an easy way to get visas, you'd see like at least 20 people, you know, five in classic, five in 212, five in the open, for sure. So many great bodybuilders there, you guys have no idea. I coached a good amount of them when I was still coaching athletes. And uh, yeah. So anyway, Milos is up there, I just forgot him. Um, let's see if we can get him on a podcast soon. What's your opinion on Milos of his strategy and principles? I mean, his principles are very sound, absolutely. I think sometimes he struggles with the peaking process because he really wants these athletes full. And then, of course, you can't be super full to the point um, it doesn't jeopardize your conditioning. Because, in my opinion, Regan Grimes and uh, Samson Dada could have been sharper. But uh, Tabrus Tabani was, is as sharp as they could be. So. Maybe his protocols work better on, uh, you know, Persians slash uh, Arabs um, compared to Caucasians and uh, black people, right, or African descent. So, you never know, right? Maybe it just needs to be a little bit heavier on the diuretics. But then again, you lose fullness in that sense. So, let's see what he can do with um, James Hollingshead, because James Hollingshead can be in great condition and full at the same time. So, I think they're 17 weeks out now. But Milos is, a, is a, a mad scientist when it comes to the insulin and the nutrition and keeping your waist small. Because, I mean, all of his guys uh, are, have tiny waists, but they're full-blown as a house. Some people say that insulin makes your waist bigger. You just don't know what the fuck you're doing. <laughs> Buy my insulin ebook or hire Milos Sartiev as a coach. <laughs> and you'll see that blowing up on insulin um, with, uh, you know, being able to pull a vacuum is very, very possible. My insulin ebook is cheaper than hiring Milos Sartsev as a coach. So, maybe start there. Podcast with Milos would be awesome. Yeah, he agreed, but uh, let's see what happens. A lot of people agree to podcasts, and then uh, you ask them, and then it doesn't happen. So, I got 25 guys lined up, so hopefully Milos will be a part of him. It will be my honor to have him on, that's for sure. Yeah. Uh, Steve, what's your preferred glucagon-like peptide 1 receptor agonist and why? Um, I like thirzepidides the most now. 
um, because it has a combination of GLP-1 plus GIP, so it seems that the fat, excuse me, the fat loss is a little bit more pronounced. I did try retatrutide in America at one milligram three times a week, um, and I might have accidentally double dipped at certain days because, you know, in America I was all over the place and just doing stuff all the time, so I might have injected like uh, two days in a row and then skip two days or three days in a row. I, I, I'm, you know, in the morning, like, do I need to pin today? Do I need not need to pin? But HCG and FSH, it's easy because I pin that every day, right? When I was on holiday, so 500 IUs or 1,000 IUs HCG every day, and 75 IUs um, FSH every day, and and then with the or the retrotide, I kind of forgot. Like, did I pin today, or did I? Should I pin today? Did I pin yesterday or two days ago? So I, I, I anyway, I went through it in like uh, 30 weeks. So uh, I had 10 milligrams three weeks. So if you pin three times per week, you have three plus six plus nine. Yeah, so that's pretty close. Anyway, uh, I didn't follow a proper diet, so I don't really know if um, it helped. I did remain leaner while running tricep, uh, retro to diet, but I still got fat because, you know, um, no, the American diet, even if you modify everything, kind of shit. So I would say for now, tricepidite, but let's see if I change my mind. Unfortunately, all the gray area peptide websites are taking their uh, products off unless you're part of a mailing list where allegedly, perhaps, potentially, maybe, they still send you a link that's not public where you can buy these um, uh, peptides at a discount. So retrotrutide is no longer available directly through Amino Asylum um, and some of the other peptide websites. But if you're part of their mailing list, you might get that email sent to you where you can still buy them. Yeah, so... There's epidite for now, uh, but maybe in the future tetrutide at one point will be FDA approved. And uh, as let's see, terzepidite just got FDA approved. Somebody sent that to me, but I can't remember where. So was that on Instagram? I get too many messages on Instagram now. Maybe it was by email. Wait a minute, let me check my email. Oh yeah, Dorian Belly from Merrick Health uh, said that sent it to me. So Dorian, shout out to you for always keeping me updated. So let's uh, put that in the YouTube description here. All right, investors.lily.com. FDA approves Lily, Lily's zip bound. What is this? Oh, they're going to call it zip bound. FDA approves Lily's zip bound, terzepidite in brackets, for chronic weight management, a powerful new option for the treatment of obesity or overweight with weight related medical problems. And then a laundry list of uh, things. Uh, let's see, what is going to be the injection protocol? Milligram. Uh, holy shit, 15 milligrams. Is that per week? And I ran it for 72 weeks. So that's one and a half years. What's the injection frequency? Let's see, at the end of the year, they'll have dosages of 2.5, 5, 7.5, 10, 12.5, 15 milligrams um, per pen, I guess, uh, at a list price of $1,060, which is 20% lower than semaglutide 2.4 injections for weight loss. Uh, $550, yeah, get it on... Get it on the gray market, guys. These, these prices are ridiculous. And uh, if you like stocks, 
Uh, now would be a good time to buy some lily stock because I do think that um, this tercepidite is going to steal some business away from semaglutide. So Northern Nordisk might uh, top out and lily stock might soar. Where's lily stock now? Lily stock. Oh, it's already going up quite a bit. I never look at my stocks because <laughs> they move so slow. So one lily stock is $610. Yeah, it might be going up a bit more. Let's see what Nova Nord is doing. I made some good gains on Oh, it's going down. Oh. All right. Why is it always in the local currency? Okay, so I might be topping out a little bit. I would keep the money in the Nova Nordisk stock for a bit more. Unless it breaks, uh, breaks support. But yeah, Ellie Lilly, I might might shuttle a couple thousand dollars in there. Yeah. Then again, shouldn't really buy the news, right? You should buy the hype and sell the news. Anyway, next one. Rob Trout, on the topic of GLP-1, do you feel as though they blunt hypertrophy at all? No, not at all. Not at all. If anything, they uh, they help with hypertrophy because they you know help with a little bit of insulin release. I do feel that there's uh, red tide true tide may be a little bit flat because glucagon levels are chronically elevated. Uh, but then again, I changed my diet. I was walking twenty thousand steps at some points in time. So, and not training as consistently, not eating as much protein. I came off the the Incrolex, obviously moving to the U.S. So, you know, it's it's a little bit hard to tell. I might do another run at one point. Um, but again, since there's not so much information on uh, pregnancy, I don't really want to run these drugs because uh, I, I have a goal of getting my wife pregnant and every little experiment that I run and my wife is not pregnant month after month, then I need to make uh, you know some hard decisions, obviously. Uh, Rob Trout, I was using Terzepidite on an aggressive diet and I'm still running it to stay to prevent rebound hunger and fat gain, but I'm concerned about its effect on muscle growth. I don't think there's any negative effect on muscle growth, dude. If you're using a little bit of steroids, I don't think it's an issue at all. Yeah. You know, just make sure you eat healthy, get all the healthy fats and the protein in. And then uh, if you can't get the healthy fats and the protein in, then the dose of terzepidite is too high. You reduce the dose and spend some more of the money that you're saving on uh, injectable terzepidite on food. And then, you know, you'll manage your hunger that way by eating enough food but staying in an anabolic state because your, you know, micronutrient and micronutrient intake is sufficient. Thoughts on sobiterome uh, and fears of uh, thyrotoxic effects in the heart and emergence of cardiac defects. I mean, I ran it for a while, but it didn't fucking work. So uh, why would you run it? I mean, it looks promising on the scientific literature, but honestly, it didn't really do anything for me. So. I get more than enough effects from T4 and T3, uh, depending on what the goals are. And I don't think that Sobiterome uh, GS1 or SG1, it's GS1, right? Whatever. Um, is has a place in bodybuilding. You know, everybody that I talk to says that it's kind of useless. So, Let's see. What's the difference between having a low glycemic index uh, carbohydrates and improving insulin sensitivity through that? 
uh, and using drugs such as metformin and eating less mindfully. Um, well, with metformin, you're disposing some of the glucose through slowing gastric emptying and not absorbing all of the glucose and manipulating how much glucose is entering the bloodstream through a medicinal route, so it's the glucose entering the bloodstream from the liver. Whereas if you have a low glycemic index carbs, um, it digests slower. The rate of glucose entering the bloodstream is slow because the glycemic index is slow because it has a lot of fiber and uh, starchy carbs that need to be broken down, broken down over time. But you're still getting all the micronutrients and you can still get full. Metformin lowers IGF-1, it makes you flat, inhibits mTOR. Um, I, I think metformin is overused and overplayed and over-exaggerated that it has benefits. And uh, most of the intelligent, um, you, you, you know, tell what you say, doctors and uh, you know, longevity experts, they've already moved away from metformin. So just eat good, you know? You, you can't out-drug or out-cardio or out-train a bad diet. Just eat good, you know? I eat good most of the year, unless I go on holiday, and then I just eat what I want. <laughs> but, you know, it's when you're at home and you have a kitchen at your disposal, there's no excuse. So just eat. I'm on top of my ma uh, macro and micronutrient intake and have all the bases covered, also my steroids. So you've put my mind at ease. Thank you very much for your input. Much appreciated. Okay. So yeah, if you got everything in place, I don't think the Zepidite is going to inhibit muscle gain in any way, shape, or form. Let's see. Let's scroll up a little bit. Far held vet. I think I had a small lat tear. Can I train hard again when fully recovered or is that area permanently weakened? No, I think depending on the tear, um, of course, you're going to have to take it easy and maybe use some of the healing peptides, which I have videos about. Uh, once it's fully healed and you have the confidence again and it feels good, and you maybe work through some of the scar tissue with deep tissue massage therapy and grass on technique and acupuncture if, if the scar tissue is bad. I think you can train as hard as you can. I mean, I, I tore both of my hamstrings uh, running Anadrol and a ketogenic diet and uh, thinking I was way stronger than I actually was. So I tore both, you know, micro tears and I tore my chest and I've had some injuries here and there. And at one point it will heal and at one point you have the confidence back and then you can train it just as hard as before or maybe even harder. But the scar tissue will still be there. Yeah, because it's just, you know, compromised. So you need to work through that with uh, the therapy and even the therapy will not completely resolve the scar tissue because if you resolve the scar tissue then you know it might be weakened again because the scar tissue is there to kind of you know pull everything together oh god how do i calculate my hcg dosages 500 is and two milliliters uh sebax sebax you mean bacteriostatic water all right here is the formula you're going to inject with an insulin syringe so instead of two milliliters we take two thousand 2,000 divided by 5,000, yeah, in brackets, so you know when to do that first. What is your dose? 250 IUs, yeah. so you divide the concentration, or you divide the solution by the concentration. No, no, wait. You divide the total amount of water by the total amount of HCG, and then you multiply that with the amount of HCG that you want to inject. 
So that is 10. All right. This is the formula. 2,000 uh, divided by 5,000 times 250 is 10. So the, two, the 200, sorry, 200 divided by 5,000 times 250 is 10. The 200 is 200 uh, stripes on the insulin syringe because 2 milliliter is actually 200 uh, IUs on the insulin syringes. And 500 is the 5,000 5, is the 5,000 IU that is uh, part of that vial. Now you want to take 250 IUs, uh, you know, per shot. So you need 10 IUs on the insulin syringe. Alright, you want 250 IUs of ACG, you need to inject 10 IUs on the insulin syringe or 0.1 milliliter. There you go. Yeah, so 0.1 milliliter or 10 IUs on the insulin syringe for 250 IUs per injection. Good luck and do it three times a week, don't be a pussy. <laughs> Logan Monter, thoughts on being 90 and taking liraglutide or semaglutide? I'm 21, 6.2, weight 230, been lifting 90 for three and a half years, binge eat chronically. Uh, fix your binge eating. I don't think, I don't think 230 at 6.2 is heavy. So, you know, and they're not on the doping list, so you'd still be 90. <laughs> but, you know. It, uh, try to fix your binge eating with uh, you know other methods because you can't be on liraglutide or semaglutide indefinitely. So why don't you fix your diet to satiating foods to the point you don't feel like eating uh, because you're also always satiated. You're probably binge eating chronically because your diet is shit and you're missing out on vital micronutrients and then you get hungry and maybe you get even hungry and thirsty because you're deficient in, in hydration and micronutrients. And then you eat like crap because your body can't discriminate. Your body is like a child, it cries. So when you're um, hungry for nutrients, it makes you hungry, but you cry like a child by eating whatever the fuck you want. So start eating healthy and then you can blunt your appetite quite substantially by eating proper food. So, and if that doesn't get it done, then, then take liraglutide while you're dieting. But you need to get, get your, you know, uh, eating habits under control because you can't take liraglutide or semaglutide indefinitely and otherwise you'll you know binge eat after you come off and you'll be just as fat if not fatter tristolone acetate or decanoate dosages to replicate anabolic effects of 140 milligrams trt think of getting it as a backup for my trt uh, backup file for my trt prescription um you're trying to replace your TRT with tristolone acetate or decanoate. I'm not sure if tristolone converts at the same rate of testosterone if you run it solo. I mean, all the blood work that I've seen on tristolone or nandrolone solo, um, estrogen levels are significantly lower. So why don't you run 100 milligrams uh, testosterone and 50 milligrams tristolone acetate on top and then see how much of an effect you get, you know? I mean, if you, you don't need a backup file for TRT if, if 140 milligrams is prescribed. Most of us get extra stuff on top of our TRT because the TRT only gets us so far. And then we need some extra tristolone or trembolone or more testosterone, which is what most men do, uh, on top of whatever uh, prescription dose you get. So we have a little bit more than the doctor is supervising us for. And then three months before it's time for blood work and the doctor's appointment, you take whatever you were running out 
so you can have uh, you know representative blood work of an actual TRT dose by the time you go in for blood work uh, and talk with your physician so that would be my approach but I don't think it's a good idea to replace um, testosterone for Trestolone or Nandrolone for that matter yeah, it's just not my style Thomas what do you think about aberrant testosterone intake uh, allegedly, it's either produced in Arachis oil or sesame oil. I've heard conflicting reports. There's a lot of fakes of Aberrain out there. Uh, but if you get it from a trusted source, like AP, uh, then I think it's okay. But then again, you might still get inflammation from the Aberrain if they're produced in Arachis oil and you're allergic for that. So buy a couple of vials, run it, see how you respond, check your high sensitivity C-reactive protein levels. And if they're in range, you can buy more. And if they're elevated, then you need to switch to another test. Yeah. Got some beef stew and it's coach blue. I don't know, did it have a blowout? <laughs> or, or just uh, having a lot of success? I don't know, I don't follow beef stew, I think. Or blue, Taylor for that matter. Beef stew. Uh, it's funny that, you know, everybody's giving Sam Su uh, uh, Sam Sulik, uh, uh, you know, shit. But Stuart Sutherland is way more jacked. And I think he's not that much older than Sam Sulik. <laughs> so... Alright, is there any drama? I don't think there's any drama. Fill me in guys. What is what is going on with Beef Stew and Blue Taylor? I think that uh, Beef Stew or Stuart Sutherland looked like a freak. But I think he did grow a little bit too fast. <laughs> to be honest. Let's see. <laughs> Steve, you make my workday fly. Guys, you should be working, getting paid. I'm getting paid. Well, the, the super chats today were a bit abysmal. <clears throat> but hey, that's the economy right now. Can't hate on it. Uh, you guys should be working. This is work for me. So, get back to work. Otherwise, the economy will suck even more. Who's sending me emails? Oh, Jetpack. That's for the website. All right, what's, what's, what else? Yeah, Tristolone converts into methylestradiol um, at a TRT level would be worth looking into it, but you got to remember very heavy on the prostate. Yeah, so methylestradiol is not bioidentical to estradiol, and it doesn't fulfill the same path physiological pathways that the normal estradiol does. So if you run Boldenone and you get esterone and it converts into estradiol downstream, um, in the peripheral tissue, you don't get the same effects as regular estradiol coming from testosterone. And same with Tristolone or Dianabol converting into methylestradiol, uh, or Dianabol converting into methylestradiol. Um, so, test is the foundation, and otherwise you need HCG in the picture, not Nolvidex, not Clomid, not Enclomiphene, right? clotting risks, don't do it. So... <coughs> Trestolone 7-alpha-methyl-estradiol seven, seven provides about three times the estrogenic poten potency as testosterone, milligram for milligram. 50 milligrams of trestolone has more estrogen of 150 milligrams of testosterone. All right, quote me a study of that. Please. Quote me a study. I think I, ran, I, I read all the trestolone studies that are out there. 
and uh, I can't I don't remember reading anything of the sort but maybe I'm mistaken uh, thoughts on anti-nutrients specifically in grains uh, assuming they give gastrointestinal distress yes there are several you know food sources out there that can actually inhibit the absorption of uh, micronutrients so they call it anti-nutrients you know it's the worst anti-nutrient out there uh, proton pump inhibitors <laughs> they actually prevent you from absorbing magnesium and and you know other uh, you know fat soluble vitamins and that kind of stuff so um, I think that some grains are anti-nutrient and of course if you get inflammation from celiac disease uh, because you're allergic to uh, those proteins, what was it called? Uh, gluten, right? If you're allergic to gluten or you have issues with that then the inflammation in your intestinal tract prevents nutrient absorption as well. Um, brown rice, uh, you know, a boatload of fiber obviously will kind of prevent you from absorbing nutrients. So, you know, make sure you eat nutritious foods and stay away from foods that your digestive tract doesn't really agree with. And then you should be okay. Let's see. I agree. Gotta, gotta go. I gotta head out to a bar with the girls. See you, Steve. All right, all right, bro. Give a pump, a couple pumps for Uncle Steve, okay? You gotta get that fucking nookie in. <laughs> F9 uh, DNY. Hey coach, I'm running Trimbalone at 300 milligrams per week and I got a Gano flare up even, even after surgery. My estradiol is stable in the middle of the reference range. My prolactin is also fine, but my progesterone is 11 animals per liter. So you see, guys, I mean, going back a couple timestamps, Trimbalone can detect this progesterone on your blood work parameters. What can I do about the progesterone? I've dropped the P5P I was on because I had told that it. Uh, I was told it can raise it and added masterone and Winnie, which apparently lowers it. So, no, the trimbolone is detecting as progesterone, and the trimbolone is activating the progesterone receptor on the nipples, causing some inflammation, but that doesn't mean that gyno is getting worse. Right? If you had a gyno flare up in the past and they removed uh, a lot of tissue, then they might have not removed all of the tissue that can get inflamed but maybe all of the tissue that can um, grow into tissue that is you know worsening the gyno so if your prolactin is fine and estrogen is fine the only logical um, outcome that is going on is that the trembolone is activating the progesterone receptor and raising serum progesterone levels by detecting as progesterone but not actually raising actual progesterone because you're not doing anything, unless you're on HCG and DHA and pregnenolone again, you didn't mention it, um, not DHA, but HCG and uh, pregnenolone supplementation. So what can you do? Um, well, you don't have selective progesterone receptor, um, you know, uh, agonists, uh, unless you go with mifepristone, which is pretty hard on the body. So don't do that. So what you can do is take the trembolone out and uh, and replace it for prima volume. Yeah. yeah. Maybe a little bit more than 300 milligrams. Maybe you go to 500, 600 milligrams prima volume and uh, put in the, the mastodon. I would keep the windstroll at bay because it dries out your joints and now you might have gyno and muscle tears. Don't do it. Uh, but yeah, if you have uh, inflammation on the nips and trembolone is causing it, um, take it out. Don't have to run it. 
No drama with beef stew and his coach, uh, just uh, like your views might align. Stu uh, seems like a no bullshit type of guy. I don't really follow Stu. Let me, let me give him a follow so I can uh, see what's going on. Ah, I got more followers than he does. <laughs> Not that it fucking means anything. <laughs> he gets more likes though. Well, he's jacked. That helps. He is fucking jacked. Let's see. Uh, 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 uh. Alright, finally somebody who uh, realizes the trend is not the end-all and be-all and actually stops it. Mm -mm -mm. Why does the maximum amount of time you get backload peanut oil system on into an insulin syringe before it goes bad? I never really tried. Uh, I do know that MCT oil or ethyl oleate or propylene glycol kind of, you know, makes the the rubber stopper swell, and then it kind of looks like a pumped pussy. Um, you either know or you don't know. Uh, yeah, so I'm not sure if that's the case with peanut oil or excess oil uh, from Cystinon or uh, Decaturbolin from Organon, but uh, give it a try. Just load up one. And then every day you make another picture and then at one point when the rubber stopper is kind of swollen and the, the tip starts to leak, I mean the innuendo never ends, uh, the tip starts to leak because the rubber stopper is so swollen that it's pushing out some of the, the oil, then uh, you have your maximum amount of days. But just because you're noticing that it starts swelling up, um, doesn't mean that it doesn't start swelling up from the beginning. So why preload when you can just uh, transfer the system onto a sterile vial? which you can buy online, they're cheap, and then uh, you draw from there into your insulin syringe and then you pin. That's what I would do. Or you pin the full fucking CC like an actual man. Yeah? Yeah, one every day. No, no, no. <laughs> no, don't do that. You'll be aromatizing like crazy. Any claims to the Adedonia of BPC-157? I never heard of that. Who the fuck is saying that? <coughs> is that a Russo? Or, uh, what's his name? The other guy that always talks about Adedonia from everything. From Australia. Ergo. <coughs> this is Adedonia, and that is Adedonia, and this, and this. Oh my guys. Uh, just eat healthy, man. Never heard of that. BPC. Let's Google it. BPC 157. Add the dome. All right. BPC 157 counteracts ketamine cognition dysfunction, social withdrawal, and anhedonia. That's a recent study. All right, what did I say here? Let's scroll down to the conclusion without reading the study. Oh, animal studies. Right. Mm -mm 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 -mm. 
PBC induced an anxiolytic effect. The subsequent three days Adedonia studies uh, appeared as a particular follow. Blah, blah, blah. Okay, so it's an animal study with a boatload of other things. I don't know, I'd have to break this down. Because uh, this is too complicated to uh, read quickly on social media. Why do big bodybuilders avoid using high caffeinated drinks when working out? Well, we don't want our hearts to explode. <laughs> it's that simple. So I don't take any pre-workout with caffeine in it, you know, partially because it can cause some vasodilating, increase your heart rate quite a bit. And when you're a big bodybuilder and you train super hard, you don't want your heart rate to increase any more than it already is from strenuous workout. So big bodybuilders usually don't take stimulants. And if they take stimulants, it's kind of like a nootropic, like alpha GPC or something uh, of the sorts, uh, but we can avoid uh, clenbuterol around the workout or caffeine around the workout or ephedrine around the workout or other stimulants around the workout because we simply don't want our heart rate to be high and, and you know the contraction to be too big and in most cases stimulants also cause vasoconstriction. So now your blood pressure goes too high and high blood pressure with a high heart rate and high contractile force of the heart. Cardiac enlargement. So, no. I, I have a cup of coffee maybe an hour or two before I go to the gym and then I go to the gym uh, <clears throat> you know with some essential amino acids and uh, some fluid and some electrolytes and that usually gets the job done alright what's next are we running out of questions or else we going to throw in the towel ha ah, super chat right on time <coughs> I have a tendonitis injury right forearm on the inside next to the elbow. Right, so that's right there. Right here. It's been sore for over three months now. Any advice? Only taking tests in Anivar. Okay, that's good. So you got the collagen since discovered. Um, it might be an impinged nerve. So, uh, if... Well, you might, have, you might have to get that diagnosed. Yeah, if you have tendonitis, uh, maybe some grassland technique or uh, active release therapy might help, but I would get it diagnosed first to see what's going on, because if it's a, a nerve that's running down the bottom here and then exiting here, then of course it's a problem in the elbow or in the shoulder or maybe even in the neck, and it would be better to get that diagnosed uh, with an MRI or, or some sort of uh, you know doctor who's specialized in that before you start any kind of therapy, because you might be making it worse or just doing therapy in the wrong spot. So if I had tendonitis in my right forearm in the inside next to the elbow, I would consult a physician. And then based on the you know, uh, diagnosis that they give me, I would find the appropriate uh, solution. And whether that's uh, grassland technique or stretching or uh, dry needling or uh, you know, active release therapy or the inversion table or uh, you know, an extensive peptide cocktail. Uh, yeah, that remains to be seen, but first you need to see what's going on. So, uh, yeah. Will raloxifene help with my trend gyno and should I wait until the cycle is done and drop the trend? No, you should drop the trend now. <laughs> because raloxifene will block the estrogen receptors, but you're causing, uh, you know, inflammation through the progesterone receptors because you just said that your estradiol and your prolactin are in range. So you need to block the 
progesterone receptor with mifepristone, not raloxifene, but mifepristone is fucking horrible. So don't do that. So take the train out or, um, you know, call your gyno doc and schedule another appointment. Because you might uh, exacerbate the gyno that was already removed. Henry Lum, sir, doing 30 minutes of morning cardio for two months watching Sam Sulek. <laughs> I know, he's got like an hour worth of content every day, so plenty of uh, stuff to watch. If I add in ephedrine, caffeine and aspirin, how many weeks, months till pause and reintroduce the ephedrine, caffeine, aspirin? Well, McDonald once said that it works better after a while. Yeah, so, uh, so it seems that clenbuterol... Um, well, there was some sort of upregulation on adipose tissue where it seems to work better the longer you use. Now the aspirin is the kind of... Man, what was the aspirin for? I haven't researched this in a long time. Anyway, the aspirin makes, I think, fat loss better and the sensitivity to ephedrine and caffeine, uh, caffeine better, right? Uh, so the ephedrine might work better in the long term or the clemitrol might work better in the long term. Uh, I can't remember, dude, honestly. Yeah, scrap that. I, 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 the finer nuances of the ECA stack are kind of eluding me right now. So, ask me again next week. <laughs> I'm sorry. I'm sorry. There's a particular overlap between these three. And right now, for the life of me, I can't remember what it was exactly. So, Henry, please remember me on Saturday. I'll do some research in the meantime. All right, what's next? Rudy, how long does IGF-1 uh, growth hormone stay elevated after a cycle of MK677? Uh, when you stump the MK677, um, IGF-1 and growth hormone come down within a day because MK677 has, you know, what was it, 16-hour, 18-hour half-life? And I believe that IGF-1 stays elevated for 36 hours. Um, after the last MK677 administration, growth hormone maybe a couple hours. So, uh, yeah, two days later, you're back to baseline. Yeah, it's that simple. So, if you want to have high, a growth hormone high IGF-1 levels on MK677, you got to keep using it. All right, Henry Lum is smart. You see you on Saturday. Okay. Yeah, let me let me make a note somewhere. No, I won't, I won't uh, forget. All right, guys, I got to go to the bathroom again. And I think we are uh, towards the end of my nootropics. Because if I can't recollect what the, the ECA stack is uh, supposed to do, then uh, I think it's time to throw in the towel. All right, guys, thank you guys so much for watching. We'll see you Saturday. Uh, we'll continue with this. Uh, where? Wait a minute. Okay. Saturday, we'll continue with the regular schedule of the vigorous Q&A. I have no more holidays planned or uh, meetings on Saturday planned. So uh, for now, we're just going to do this every Saturday again. And then, um, yeah, just stay tuned. So I'll announce that on the Patreon and YouTube membership page, and then we'll go public uh, usually an hour after I've answered all of the questions for the paying members. Um, let's see, I have a podcast with Mark Bell Power Project. Subscribe there if you're not subscribed yet, so you can get that as soon as it drops. I have an upcoming podcast with Nal Naiga on the Transparent uh, Podcast, on his Transparent Podcast YouTube channel, so subscribe there if you're not subscribed yet. And um, on November 16th, oh, that's two days from now, on uh, Thursday, 
I have the podcast dropping for Elite FTS, which we recorded, well, a couple weeks ago, but he was completely backlogged. So the, what is it called? Uh, Elite FTS uh, Power Hour? No, what is it called, man? Oh, no, I forgot the name. Dave's going to kill me. Table talk. <laughs> Table talk. It's going to drop in two or three days, depending on your uh, time zone. So subscribe there if you're not subscribed yet. And then uh, over the next couple of days, I probably, or let's say this week, I have like three podcast collaborations dropping. Um, and hopefully that will bring my subscriber count over 100,000. Yeah. And there you're going to see some serious shit. Okay, guys, good night. It was good to catch up again. We'll uh, catch up some more on uh, Saturday. Stay tuned and uh, hopefully we'll get some more content out this week when this uh, nasal cavity and this soreness and this uh, raspy voice clears up. All right, guys, take it easy. Enjoy your Monday. See you Saturday.